Hello, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Ongakadee, the podcast where three friends come together and break down what's new in the Japanese music industry. This is the podcast for the week of January 7th, 2022. I'm your host, Ken, and with me we have Gray. What's happening, dudes? And Luna. Hey, everyone. Ginky. Oh, Genkies and Deeds, and once again, Happy New Year, you guys. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Woohoo. Woohoo. And per the New Year, we have a tradition on our podcast where we go over the lovely Kohaku. Unfortunately, we would have originally have done this sooner, but because of the fact that last week's episode was literally on New Year's Eve, there was no way in time that we could have possibly done this episode. So uh, sorry for it being a little bit tad later than usual, but we are doing it. <laughs> Yeah, no, uh, this is actually one of my favorite shows of the year that we get to do. This is always a fun, fun time. And this year I got to share it with my wife, which is also a lot of fun. Uh, sadly, I didn't get to watch the whole thing with my wife. I had to watch uh, the last leg of it by myself. But uh, the first huge chunk of it, I watched it with her. And I had a blast because I was able to just look at her and give her my color commentary as it happened. And it was fantastic. It was a interesting show as usual. Oh yeah, it was very interesting, and obviously we are talking about the lovely NHK Kohaku Uta Gaksen, and this year's it is the 72nd edition of the lovely, uh, lovely red and white song battle, so it's a little bit of uh, backstage humor and ribbing between between the three yeah. of us there. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yep, it is is indeed the seventy second. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know how you can mistake it for any other number. <laughs> yeah, especially with dates and the all the first and lovely things of you know dates and times and years. You know, <laughs> uh, what are numbers, right? What are, what numbers? are numbers? What are years? What are times? <laughs> But you know, it's all relative. Seventy-two all, to me, all, seventy-one to you. It's all, yeah, it's it's all, all relative. Well, not not really this time around. But this year's show was done very differently because of the fact that they done it at like three different locations, like five if you really want to be generous. But for the most part, they did it at three different locations. They mostly took took it or performed at the Tokyo International Forum stage because of the fact that the NHK Hall that they usually go and do is currently under renovations. But not only did they perform there, they also performed at the NHK Hall in Shibuya, and they also performed in the atrium outside. So a lot of different places, but with other various scattered locations throughout the night. But for the most part, it was those three major locations. So, what did you guys first initially thought about the fact that they did they did this? I mean, I thought it was interesting. I, I I wasn't too surprised they did what they had to do, and they made it work, and I think it worked very well. Yeah, it was uh, really interesting. It was kind of nice to see like the different locations. I found it a little disorienting a a few times, especially because I'm not really familiar with like all these different venues. So sometimes I was a little lost at where they were at, but overall I, I actually had a, a lot of fun with it and I felt like they made a lot, 
they did the best they could with the with the venues that they had, and really, some acts really made a good use of the space. There's a couple of acts that was a little disappointing because it's just like, eh, here's the space we're going to dance around. Here's a couple of lights, but well, I uh, think that was few and far between. I think mostly everything that was done, ironically, at the International Form Hall was a little bit underwhelming. But we'll go in that just a tad bit. Um, this is also the year that they also had people back at an audience member back because last year's one was obviously not no one was there and they were just performing in front of the judges and the hosts so this was also quite a little bit of a change so but with that let's kind of go dive first right into the first act and that is the lovely lisa with her song akeboshi now Say what you guys will about this song, because I know that we all think that the song was kind of a dud um, throughout its initial release. What did you guys think of the performance of this song? I I thought uh, Lisa's performance was actually very good. It sound Akeboshi sounded better live than it did studio wise, and I honestly think it's because Lisa did push her vocals toward it more. However, it still gives me the remnants of I can see why this didn't get all the popularity as Homura or um, uh, as Gurenge or Homura. But I still think Lisa did a great job with her performance. I don't know if it was opening Kohaku performance, but her outfit shined. I mean, her vocals were great. And I mean, it made me like it a little bit more. I mean, I remember enjoying it, but I felt Akiboshi was always very forgettable. It still is a little forgettable, but the live flair definitely adds to the song. Yeah, no, Luna, I think you really hit the nail on the head. This track is a lot better in, in her live performance, and I found it to be a lot more enjoyable than I did just booting up the track and listening to it for the show. So I, I, I thought this is a good performance overall, and... You know, you can say what you want about Lisa, but, you know, her heart's still in it. And I think she gave a really heartfelt performance, uh, high energy, really into it. She loves what she does and she shows it. And I really had a lot of fun with this. Uh, I also think her outfit's just spectacular. So I I do think Akeboshi's a little lackluster still. I, I This performance didn't convince me to go out and download it or anything like that, but... You know, for what it is, I thought it was good, and I, I had a lot of fun with it. Yeah, so for me, the fact that, you know, she started with Akeboshi was kind of telling of what this night was going to be for me. <laughs> I thought that, you know, like the theme, so they, they chose a theme of colorfulness, and that was mostly because they wanted to make the last night of 2021 as colorful as possible. And to the point that... You know, they did do that. A lot of the stage arrangement was beautifully crafted by flower arrangements. And like how you guys just said, I really did like the fact that the live performance was just a little bit much more of a one-two punch compared to the studio release version. So, but I guess with that, let's continue on to the second act. And it is the first act for the boys here. And it is Hiromi Go with their Nioku Yonsenman no Hitomi, the exotic Japan version. Now, you know, when I see Hiromi Go, I already knew that we're going to have a good time. But <laughs> I'm just jumping the gun there. Luna, why don't you go? 
I always have a good time with uh, Hiromigo. I think he always does an amazing performance. And Niyoku Yonsenman no Hitomi, exotic Japan version, was no different in that regards. I personally enjoyed it. I liked the way he came out and greeted everyone. I I liked the elbow bumps he did with people when he came out. He made it fun for the audience. And he's always very into his performances. And I think that's why I enjoy watching him every year. So, I mean, I thought it was fantastic. I, he didn't do, you know, as like boomtastic as he usually does. But he still always makes you remember him about the entrance he makes. Yeah, Hiromi Go knows how to make an entrance. I mean, the guy has a lot of stage presence and performance. And, you know, one of the keys to being good in entertainment is knowing how to make an entrance. And this guy, now I think he might write the book on it one day if he hasn't already. Like, man, uh, this is a great way to really kick off the white team. I love the song Ni Oku Yon Senmen no Hitomi Exotic Japan is a lot of fun. The elbow bumps were great. Uh, his energy level to kick the night off too is perfect. I mean, just the charisma he uses while he does his performance is spectacular. And I had a lot of fun with it. I think it's um really good way. It got the crowd pumped and jumping. And I think that's just what everybody needed for the night so overall i had a blast with this yeah and like continuing off what you guys were saying you know his updated version of his debut track was absolutely amazing and you talk about a a crowd starter it's hell of amazing and what was interesting is that that sung it from the entrance hall all the way all the way down to the crowd and it was one thing to point that there was a lot of people, that there was a crowd actually in the in the stands and an audience in the stand. And I think that was the whole reason why he did what he did. And, you know, all the elbow bumps with the judges, that's just icing on the cake there. But with that, let's continue on to our third act and the first debuting act of this year. And that is the lovely band Dish. And then they did their song Neko. Now, I have to preference that before they started, they had a lovely talk with Aimeon on there, and one of the reasons why Aimeon was a part of that introduction of this song was the fact that she wrote and composed it. So, <laughs> there was that. So, what did you guys think of Neko? Neko is a very Aimeon song. You can tell she did write it and produce it, just judging by how it's mainly composed. And I think Dish does an amazing job performing Neko. I thought their vocals were very well done. And the composition is fantastic. Uh, I'm not super familiar with Dish. I know I've heard a few songs here and there. But I greatly enjoyed hearing them live. As I felt like that made them shine for me. And I, I thought it was a solid performance for a debut song. Their outfits are a little wonky because they all look too big for them, and they feel like these little 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 kids in these big suits. But other, but as vocal and like performance wise, you know, as musical act, they were they were great. Yeah, no, this was definitely an interesting performance, and I was honestly expecting uh, them to do their 
song that they did for My Hero Academia, because I know how big My Hero Academia is. Even in Japan, it's pretty big. I know it's very popular internationally, but I was expecting them to do number one. So Neko, I was a little surprised by, but overall, I felt like this was a fantastic performance. Definitely has that Aimeon flair to it. And Aimeon is really showing herself to be a standout composer because she also did something new with Johnny's West, which was a fantastic song too. Mm-hmm. So Aimeon really is really making herself known as not only a very talented vocalist and artist, but a, a composer as well, because she's able to write these really good compositions for various groups and really knock it out of the part. And Neko is wonderfully done i i'm a little i'm with luna their outfits i'm a little nah on because they're so oversized it's i it looks uncomfortable to me but uh it is what it is but yeah this is a great performance overall and i really liked it and thought that uh this is a great way to debut i think dish is fantastic and honestly i hope they come back i think they really showed they have a lot that they can do, and I'm looking forward to seeing them again. Fingers crossed they make it back. Hmm. Uh, you know, to first add on to the the Imeon part one is, yeah, no, I. She's really showing that not only can she sing, she can really compose. I think this is one of her first composition tracks that did make it on the Kohaku. Um, fairly certain that this is the first one that she's written and composed that got on so that that's a huge thing but you guys are right that you know she is really showing her chops as a much more well-rounded person in the music industry and like i said you know even if i'm young just cease to make another song she has something in her backbone there or in her back pocket that she can kind of count on so but Continue on to Dish as the main focus here. With Neko, I actually love the fact that it was a cappella first. I really, really loved it. The lower composition is something that I absolutely loved for saying uh, for a Dish song. And that's what you kind of need to do for a rock band to stand out there. And, you know, it's that's the first time for everything because I wasn't really a huge fan of them. Or nothing really stood out to them initially. Uh, the one thing I'll do, I would add is... Um, because of the fact that, you know, like like you, Gray, I would have thought that they would have sung number one. But seeing how they kind of would have done everything, I kind of understand why they chose Neko. Because if they were going to do it, they probably were going to double dip kind of like with another act further down the line. Yeah, and I, I, I will say, even though Neko wasn't what... I was expecting. I felt like in some ways it's a bit more fitting for the occasion than number one. So I felt like it worked and it paid off in the end. It was like, even though it wasn't what I was expecting, I felt like it worked. And I think they made the right decision by going with Neko over number one. So it was, it was a, it was a good performance and I'm glad you called out the acapella opening. There was a couple of those, this night and every time they did it it was really good yeah uh dish was no exception so with that let's continue on to the fourth act here and that is niju and now this is the first act that took place in the nhk shibuya arena or 
um, hall there. And what was very interesting about that, that they mostly performed with a giant screen around them so they could do various things compared to what they had at the Tokyo International Forum where it was just one stage. So they kind of got to do a little bit more dynamic range uh, with their performance. But, you know, with that, they did sing Take a Picture, which is a song that I know all three of us just love and adore. So why don't you guys go ahead and thought what you thought about this performance? So y'all know how I feel about the song. I did not like Take a Picture from the moment I heard it. The composition just kind of, you know... <laughs> I just something about it I really didn't like and could never get into. So seeing it live just reasserted my same thing, except seeing it live was more the composition wasn't as loud as it is in the track. So yes, it is dimmed out for me, so it's not as annoying. But I have a different issue seeing Niju perform it live is their vocals did not sound so good. And I understand they're also singing and dancing at the same time they're doing Take a Picture. And they might not, they're not as seasoned as other artists who can keep up with their, you know, with the pace of singing and dancing at the same time. But it still felt like it, it was not as good as last year's. I actually didn't mind Make You Happy last year. I thought they gave a very good performance and... It was pretty memorable, but with Take a Picture, it's very forgettable. Besides, their outfits were super cute, but I I feel like their vocals, just something was missing. Thank God the composition wasn't as loud and obnoxious because the music didn't feel as loud, which was good. That was my issue with the song itself, but I just didn't care for it. I didn't, didn't make me feel any emotion as usual. It was just there. And I felt like the girls really did try, but at the same time, they were also struggling and it just, there was just, it just wasn't my thing. Yeah, I, I, I don't like take a picture. I haven't enjoyed ne a lot of Niju's work and I, I, their live performance is not changing my opinion on much. Uh, it's almost like they scream, do you want to take a picture at you? And I'm like, no, no, just leave me alone. Just leave me alone. Go away. Overall, I, I don't think this was the worst. Well, I don't know. It might have been the worst performance of the night because I really liked a lot of the the rest of the performances. This is like the one that I was like, eh. I was happier when it was over with <laughs> than anything else. But yeah, this was... Uh, all right to say the the least uh, i it's it's not changing my attitude at all uh, i will say the composition being toned down a bit helps it ever so slightly but i think it makes the vocal the, the lack of quality of vocals just stand out glaring uh, i think you need to cover up the the vocal quality a little bit on it uh, it makes it in some ways better so i i don't know this, this was it wasn't a terrible performance but i I was very glad to see it gone. And that's, that's all I'm going to say about that. If this is you being nice, I kind of don't want to hear your true feelings about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to be as nice as possible. Uh, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, like what you guys said earlier, I'm not really a fan of Niju. And the... To be honest, the only reason why they are of note for me is the fact that they can show what the hell that stage is going to be 
four. And if that's a one thing to be just checked off the list there, I no skin off my teeth. And, you know, all three of us aren't really the biggest Niju fans. And, and it's been like that since their debut. And I had a bad feeling that they were going to do Take a Picture when Niju was announced. And <laughs> my worst fears was fulfilled with that. <laughs> but it's how it is. With that, let's continue on to the fifth act here, and it is Keisuke Yamauchi with Yurakucho de Aimasho. And what's very interesting about this particular performance is they did perform it at Yurakucho, which <laughs> kind of fit the theme there. But what did you guys think about this lovely track? I enjoyed it. I always like uh, Keisuke Yamauchi's performances, and this one I think was interesting because of the venue he took. Just the stage itself, he did just such a good job showcasing it, using his music to the best abilities, and... I mean, I thought it was a fun one. It was probably one one of my top performances of the night, just because of the look of it, and it was great. Yeah, this is a performance that stood out for all the right reasons you know it's got a really unique location and they really use it to full effect i absolutely loved his skywalk performance that he did that just really blew away the uh the camera pulls back and you know you get to see the scenery surrounding him there's just a majesticness about this performance that really just sends it over the top and Keisuke Yamauchi's vocals are on par tonight I mean he really just knocked it out of the park uh this is just a lot of fun to listen to and this is one of the ones like I'm probably going to remember next next year when it comes back around because I absolutely love this performance and every year there's like one or two performances that stick with you I think this one's gonna stick with me uh done very very nicely yeah no like you what you're just saying there gray I honestly love the fact that a that the song that he chose really fit the performance and what they did is you know when they were he was performing in the atrium of in between the two buildings there and the fact that you know you could see the entire view of Yurakucho while he was singing about it really kind of hit the note that like yeah it's very good that they decided to do that kind of thing and it's probably one of the more memorable performances and it really did show within the last three to four acts he's just beginning acts here that we are going to be in for a lovely little bit of variety in bit of locations so that was one thing that really stood out with me at least with these first five performances and what one thing i do want to note is i do love how at the end of his performance uh, the camera just pans down to the next to the next group. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, uh, very yeah. seamless transition. Uh, although I felt like that, the oh, I don't want to get too much into it, but uh, that was really cool. Uh, just like I, you see I'll him take, in the walkway, and then boom. <laughs> and <laughs> like, I'll take so that cool. baton and be like, well, you know, with that, they let's go on to our next one here. You know, the panning shot going down to Sakurazaka 46 with 
their track Nagaredama and <laughs> like you said probably the panning shot of them going from Kesuke Yamauchi to Sakura's Alpha 46 was the only thing that really helped them and stood out for me to be perfectly honest yeah it, it's it was a really disappointing performance overall with this uh, Nagaredama is lackluster to say the least and I felt like there's nothing in this that really stood out other than that panning shot that just really I mean I mean he teed them up so nicely and then they just have this lackluster song with a pretty lackluster performance I mean the vocals are alright but Sakurazaka 46 much like Keikazaki before it is known for its elaborate choreography and I wasn't the biggest fan of the choreography for this <laughs> wait, wait wait you think Sakurazaka is known for it <laughs> well well, just in that Keiaki Zaka 46 was known for it so much. Uh, Sakura Zaka 46, I think, wants to be known for it, but they haven't had a standout choreography performance yet for me. Mm. Uh, I mean, it's high energy, but it's... it's I, I don't know if it's... No, no, it's yeah. totally different. It's totally different to be yeah. point blank. And, you know, to the point that it really just solidifies my thought about what this group's supposed to be. And I'm just like, I wish that they could have just dissolved into the other groups, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, because it's just... Because what else I, do, are you are you doing it for? <laughs> I, it, it is... I don't know. And another thing that I think really hurts this is I don't like the set that they're on because it's just them outside. There's a lot of lights going on, but it just none of it feels like it works or it's coordinated. It's all sporadic and chaotic and not in a good way. <laughs> I think I think specifically for this performance because there are other performances that is in this exact same space that is tiled up a little bit much more better I think just yes. for this particular performance it was not to their liking I think it would have been just better to have done it in the in the in the or the the dome itself on the stage itself yeah yeah I would have much rather it been in, in indoors or in the stage or what because it would have made it would have been better and they could have played a little bit to the crowd but as it stands, them in an alleyway dancing with a epileptic light show in the background just I not to me not not appealing. Mm-hmm. So it, it was it, it was one of the worst performances of the night. I I, I don't know. I, I I will say I think I think it's better than Niji. So for the Sakurazaka one, as you know, you know how most of my feelings are on them. And I still feel like that, I mean, it was okay. I remember feeling kind of meh on Nagara, Nagaredama in general. And I still feel like it's all over the place. Not only the dancing, because I felt like this in the music video, that it was a hot mess. And I felt like this performance was a hot mess with 
I, I love their outfits, but just the dancing in general, the song still feels a mess. I mean, at least it fits with the dancing. But <laughs> I'm I'm still not super big on Nagare Dama. I mean, I think their vocals sounded pretty good live. However, this is not a track for me. I mean, it was an interesting performance, but it just felt like it was uh, all over the place. Yeah, so I guess with that, we'll continue on to their first little break into their special segment here. And it was to deal with one of the lovely, lovely hosts. Wow, we, we even forgot to talk about who hosted. Well, one of the hosts, her name is Haruna Kawaguchi. And we also have Mayuko Wakada and Yo Oizumi from last year's um, addition to the the Kohaku. But they did something a little bit different here because they all of them aren't singers. They're all just actors and actresses and hosts. So they kind of did a whole thing about just being cheering on their team com- comparative to last year where they were rooting for their team, so to speak. And one of the little special segments they did is just a huge advertisement for the uh, SDG idea of their, like, all for the environment kind of thing. And that teed up with Yao Sobi with with, uh, Midori's and Aoi Ki with their song Subame, which is one of the theme songs for that movement to bring awareness in Japan specifically for SDGs and what what did you guys think of it overall so I, I like the whole talk segment they did and I actually like the Yao Sobi with all the that special segment they did the Nifun Zenkoku Omi Soka no Yoru Kaleko ni Yao Sobi Midori's and uh, the Aotoki. I actually thought it was really cute with all the kids. Uh, Subame. And I thought Yao Sobi's performance was actually really fun. And I like how they, how all the kids had great harmonies. They all interacted together really well. I thought it, I liked it personally. I thought it was super cute. Yeah, no, this is definitely a really cute and adorable performance. The kids and the hosts having a lot of fun in this. I like that they took part in it with the dance. It's really cute. I do have one burning question. I was watching this with my wife, and we both were like, what is that? So on the left uh, it is a kappa, and it's a cute little kappa. It's very sh- short and adorable, very, very adorable. What is the yellow thing on the right? <laughs> uh, so if you're talking about like in the performance they had two mascots yes. that's that's an oni yes that's supposed to be an oni yeah oh okay uh i mean it's cutesy <laughs> it's very cutesy and i would not have guessed oni from that but okay i, I will tell my my wife i mean that it has that later. The, the one horn right in the middle right yeah one horn one thing but it's also got like a he's a duck beak and it looks like it's got a bumblebee body it's a it's interesting to say the least. It's a very interesting mascot, but it's I mean, cute it, nonetheless. It's a, it's, I mean, it's a mascot. What what do you want it to be? <laughs> Recognizable, like the kappa. <laughs> I mean, kappas aren't blue either. Oh, that's but, true I mean, too. Also, you're not ingrained with Japanese culture. Oni's always look no, kind of like that with the one horn oh, and true. things. That's true. If you look at like. 
like Yu Yu Hakusho, all the Onis kind of look like that in Yu Yu Hakusho. <laughs> Yep, they, they, they did. Do. They did. I miss that show so much. Uh, it's crazy. But yeah, no, but- no. Over, not to derail too much over the two mascots that were in there. I, just, I was just curious as to what that was. Uh, this, this was again. I, I did. I like it. it was a fun performance and it was really cute. Uh, I had a lot of fun with it and uh, definitely, definitely uh, one of the highlights of the show. Yeah, like for me, I thought. Like what you guys were just saying, they it was very cute, and that's much what I can say about it. And honestly, I didn't know if Yao Sobi was continuing or not, because I, I wasn't looking at the, the whole list there. I didn't think it was a special segment. I really just thought it just led into Yao Sobi's performance. So when I initially watched it, I was like, okay, they did a song that uh, is very cutesy, and that's it, right? Kind of thing. Uh, I was kind of wrong on that, but that was after the fact. But I was just like, oh, like I never really listened to Tsubami beforehand, and it was very cute, and I, I, I really liked it. And it was a good kickoff performance for Yao Sobi. So, with that, let's continue on to the number seventh act, and that is Awesome City Club. And <laughs> obviously, if you think of awesome city club throughout this entire year it's gonna be wasadena <laughs> uh even though it's already a year and a half old at that point <laughs> but it is what it is what uh, i know that you guys already love wasadena to death so what did you guys think of their first performance on the kohaku so i i liked it i will say um i forget the lead vocalist name the girl she seemed a little bit nervous on there because she was a lot more still versus the the main the main male vocalist, which he was very into it. And you could tell from the moment they started, he was all in there, which was great. He felt very comfortable, but I felt for her, I, I don't know if it was being on the Kohaku or she was just concentrating very well on what she was doing and her voice. She was a little (laughs) stiff, but I really enjoyed their performance and all. I thought all their vocals were fantastic. And I feel like once she got comfortable, she got more into it. But, I I, I mean, I I enjoyed it. I don't know about that, because in the music video, she's like that as well, though. (laughs) Yeah, maybe that's just her style, then. um, Yeah. That she does. Uh, And her name is Atagi, by the way. And then, the other, okay. and then the other vocalist, his name is Pudding. Pudding. Uh, but I love Pudding because he oh, you could tell he sorry. was all he was all into it. And Atagi, I mean, I think her vocals were phenomenal. I mean, she did a great job. And I think for their debut performance, it was really good. And I, I hope they come back because I loved it. I loved hearing them live and seeing the Kohaku. And I still love Wasurena because it is an amazing song. Yeah, no, this is a wonderful performance, and I really love the rooftop setting that this was done to. The backdrop is absolutely stunning to see the Tokyo sky lit up at night like that. Anytime they do a rooftop performance like this is absolutely wonderful. And yeah, it, you know, the female artist is a little bit more subdued, but I... I, th- I think she does a good job with you know what she has, and I think everybody is excited to be there, and you know this was the 
first time, you know, that they've been to an event quite like this, you know. So it was really different, but uh, I, I really liked it, and I had a lot of fun with it, and uh, this was definitely a great performance overall. So with Awesome City Club, like, there's not much we can I can say without, you know, biting over what you guys just said. They did perform at the Shibuya the NHK Shibuya area, so obviously they weren't really performing on a rooftop. And I, the, one of the things that I was scared about with their performance, because I already knew they were going to do Wasudena, because there wasn't going to be any other song that they were going to do, obviously, that really shook the core, so to speak. The one thing that I was very scared of is that they were going to perform it like how they did the music video, which is just them on a stage with nothing there. So the fact that, you know, while they were on the the Shibuya stage, they kind of dressed it up a little bit more nicely, surrounded by flowers and stuff like that, to kind of give it that little oomph, so to speak. But with that, let's continue on to the eighth act here, and it is Generations by Exile Tribe with their track, Make Me Better. So what did you guys think about this track? I forgot about this track, and I'm going to be honest, probably because I don't listen to as much Generations... However, despite me forgetting about it, I forgot how cute all the guys are in Generations. <laughs> so I'm going to be honest, the whole time... I'm going to this I'm, whole conversation. <laughs> I'm kidding. Oh, yeah, the whole time I'm sitting there saying, like, I forgot how pretty all you boys were. I, and I'm just staring at them like, well, hello. And I can't... I, I want to say Alan Shirahama is in Generations because I follow him on Instagram and I was... Was like trying I think I found them and I was like oh look at you you're cute I forgot but I mean music wise it was actually a fun song I did like their dance performance it did feel you know your typical generations very simple nothing extravagant they're them singing dancing doing what they do best but they did put their all into it I felt and I mean I enjoyed it I actually ended up liking the song even though I don't remember it and I mean it doesn't help yeah, I mean, it helps that you got some pretty boys singing and dancing, so. <laughs> yeah, no, this was a fantastic performance. I absolutely loved it, and I, I will agree with Luna. I had forgotten this was a song. This existed. So I, I feel a little bad in that much, but I loved this track, and I actually went out and downloaded the, the album <laughs> that they just dropped. Uh, yeah, I was going to say and, it. I wouldn't be surprised if you guys didn't know this track existed because I think it just dropped. <laughs> yeah, it's the number two track on their album, and I didn't I didn't cross reference with their singles to see if like if this was a single that they dropped this year, but uh, it was. Oh my god, I, I love this. I thought it was great, and this is a great performance. These guys really just. Had a lot of fun. The, the choreography that they did was spectacular. The dance choreography on this so much. It's a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not going to lie. I've, I've been listening to that album since uh, since I, I watched this. Like That was like one of the big takeaways. I absolutely just adored this to death. So great performance. And Generations killed it. Now, the one thing that I'll just add to this is I just wish that the entirety of Exile Juniors was there because this was a, I think for the juniors themselves, I think this was a big year, 2021 overall. And I just wish that they were able to celebrate it 
on the stage together. And what better way to kind of kind of showcase that talent with Make Me Better. It is a very nice mix of dance and vocals and it really did show off all their skills, which I really did like. But with that, let's continue on to the ninth act here and it is Hinatazaka 46 with Kimishika Katen or Katan and yeah, what'd you guys think about this? So I remember being okay on uh, Kimishika uh, Shika Katan in general. I actually thought the live performances was way better and enjoyable than I remember because I honestly, you know, with some of the idols, I kind of forget what I listened to. I thought Hinata Zaka 46 had a really uh, cute performance, great vocals. I love their outfits. So, I mean, all in all, I actually think the live performance added to Kimi Sh uh, Shika Kantan than anything for me, as it made it a little bit more memorable. Yeah, no, this was definitely one of my songs of the year. Uh, if you guys recall our end of the year podcast, this is one of the ones I called out as being one of my runner ups. Uh, I loved Kimi Shika Kantan, and I felt like... Hinatazaka 46 really of the 46 is again you know maybe it's my bias showing but I really felt like they had the best performance it just really is a fun overall performance I love their outfits well I mean to kind of drive our point home and are always our talks with it they're the only one that knows what the hell they're doing what they are so yes yeah, they, they really do lean into their distinctive identity and uh, it it works. It works so well for them. I mean, they're just becoming a well-oiled machine. And, and I, I, I know like, you know, they would fall under the category of generic idol, but I think they do it. They do it so well. And this is just, again, like one of my favorite tracks of the year. I love it. Uh, at, so uh, when I finished the first part, I, I went and listened specifically back to this, even though there was other tracks that we're going to talk about that uh, I really liked and other performances that were really good. Uh, this was the first thing I listened to when I finished my first part of watching the Kohaku because I just loved this track so much. And I felt like that single release overall was fantastic. And yeah, I, like I said, I love the outfits that the girls have. I like the choreography. I think they make good use of the space that they have. Uh, the the color-coordinated dresses that they're wearing is just absolutely adorable. Uh, this whole performance overall just comes together really well. And I, I think, you know, it's really weird saying that Hinatazaka 46 is the best of the 46s in third performance, but... I mean, they, they they killed it, and uh, these girls earn every bit of praise, I think. No, yeah, no. To be perfectly honest, out of the only, like, 46s group that, that came up here, you know, they know what they are doing, and... Now, while I didn't really care about the song overall... Because it is like McDonald's, it's just there. Uh, it did really match the theme, and their outfits really kind of matched overall what the theme of colorfulness is, and I really appreciate that. 
that you know with their stage presence they were able to do something to kind of tie it all together so to speak But yeah, with that, let's continue on to the 10th act here. And it's Junretsu with their lovely song, Kimi ga soba ni iru kara. And what did you guys think of this lovely track? This is a group that I always just forget about until we do the Kohaku, to be perfectly honest. Oh yeah, every time I get excited about Junretsu because they do an awesome performance. And again... They did something very unique that makes it stand out. And that's why I love them. You never forget Shunratsu. You know who they are. Last year was the Weird Hearts. And this yep. year it was these little hand things, these grabby things that they were grabbing all the crowd with and going around. And I mean, you're not going to forget this performance either because not only do they have great vocals, they always make it memorable and fun. And get the crowd involved. And that's one of the reasons I love Junretsu and why they have some of the best Kohaku performances. Yeah, this was definitely one of my performances of the night. Just the look of joy on Junretsu's face and the crowd, every person that they go to with the little grabber and they shake the grabber. Like, it's just absolutely cute and adorable. And the whole time that I was watching this, there's this giant smile on my face. Uh, so much hope and love is just put into this act. And their vocal performance is spot on. And yeah, I, I'm with Ken. I always forget these guys exist, but they're always the light when, when we get to talk about them, especially the Kohaku. So this was a wonderful performance and definitely just one of the standout performances of the night. And I want to say their outfits are spectacular. If you get a chance to look up their outfits for this show... I highly recommend it. They are superb in every way, especially the capes. I love those capes so much. Yeah, you know, kind of picking back off of what you guys were saying here, you know, Junretsu always does something very memorable, and they always do something to really show their love for their, for their crowd and their audience and their fans because every single time they've done that, like either with their performances with you know, with the mama-sons and things like that, you know, they always try to make it known that without their fans, they wouldn't have been here. And they did something like what you guys were saying with the little plastic grabber things. And it was very interesting to see them, how they implement that fact that, you know, their love for their fans still was kind of gra uh, carrying on even with the times that we're in and you know i did find it hilarious that they had the little disinfect uh, disinfected spray with them after they shook the hands i found that really hilarious probably one of the one of the more highlights of my no night there when i was watching it <laughs> but with that let's continue on to the 11th act here and that is stones here and their song mascara so to preference they they sung this at the shibuya nhk hall so what did you guys think about this performance so i actually like stone's performance a lot even though mascara wasn't one of my favorite songs by them i 
actually enjoyed it pretty well and I, I think I liked it live better than I did on the release. I think their vocals sounded great. They had a lot of fun with it. You could see with the interactions between each other. They were enjoying their performance and I mean I actually thought it was really good and I, I'm starting to like Stones a lot more than I initially did and this just kind of solidified that I really enjoyed seeing them live. Yeah, no, uh, I, I felt like Stones had a good 2021. 20, I felt like, you know, they really have done really good in, in these hard times. And uh, i really happy that they're really leaning more into their vocal heavy performances uh, than, you know, their dance stuff. And because like, these guys are talented and it real you know, the turning point for me in this group was last year's Kohaku. Uh, I just, I, I had like this giant epiphany of this group. And, you know, I remember when Mascara dropped, I, I liked it quite a lot. And uh, if it was on Apple Music, I would have been listening to it throughout the year because it's a fun song. And I think these guys had a lot of fun doing their performance. I felt like, you know, for number two, like th they did good. They did really good. And I, I love their little pink blazers that they're wearing. I think those are really hot and uh, I really like this performance overall. Uh, I felt like it was really good. And uh, one of the, I, I would say one of the better Johnny's performances. I mean, I think all the Johnny's performances are really strong, but I think even, even among the strong Johnny performances, these guys really just rose to the top and uh, they're really making a name for themselves, and it's exciting to see where they go next. So uh, I'm looking forward to 2022, and I'm looking forward to these guys being back here next year because I'll be surprised if they're not. To put my little fashion glasses on, it's not pink, it's magenta. <laughs> you, you are correct. <laughs> it is magenta. Because it's the exact same pink as Decade. <laughs> which it, is it is. Magenta. <laughs> yep. Yep. But, you know, like what you guys were saying, Mascara is a very interesting choice for for their song selection this time around. And while it is closer to their theme in the NHK arena, I do like the fact that they did really focus on their vocal range with this particular performance. And I really appreciated that because... You know, for me, Mascara wasn't their best song, in my personal opinion, from this from this year, from 2021, but they really showed their heart out with this. And with that, let's continue on to number 12, and it is the lovely Yoshimi Tendo with her rendition of Anata no Hanamichi. And what's very interesting about this release is, so she's originally from the Osaka area, so she brought in a Osaka brass band to do it and it was very interesting so what did you guys think about the the rendition of this song so i actually really liked it but i always enjoy yoshimi tendo's performances i feel like anatono hanamichi you know the brass version was great with the live band i feel like whenever you throw that in it just adds to it and that's what this did. So, I mean, she always does good, so I don't have too much to say. Uh, yeah, no, Luna's right. I, I think 
I think Yoshimi Tendo does fantastic every year, and this year is no exception. But I I loved the brass band. I, now I, I'm a I was a band geek in high school. I've, I've said this many times. I played saxophone, so anytime like you have a brass band. Uh, like that speaks to my soul in many ways. And so I, I did, I loved it. I love that they did like marching formations on, in this, uh, I mean, I was having flashbacks to high school and, uh, this was just a delightful performance and her vocals uh, were outstanding. I mean, just killing it. Uh, she is, um, seasoned performer and it really shows in this performance i think that she was a standout for the night and uh she just put a giant smile on my face i loved everything about this performance yeah no like what you guys were just saying the brass band hella worked for me and i couldn't help myself but to fall in love with this track and just how just an extravagant performances as simple as it was as a marching band formation it really kind of showed out so to speak of what you can do with this kind of thing and i did like at the end when they were interviewing one of the students uh <laughs> they didn't plan that rehearsal and they were kind of put off guard about it. it was really funny to be to be frank But with that, let's continue on to the 13th act here, and it is Cartoon. Now, you know, with Cartoon, it was very interesting because this is their 15th year since their debut, and this is the first time that they made their appearance on here. And, you know, they sung a rendition of their debut track, which is Real Face. And they called it number two because, you know, this is a updated version of it because they lost half their members from, from Cartoon here. And what did you guys thought about it? I thought it was a good performance. I like that they did do their debut song, especially for those who've been fans of them since the beginning. And also it helps with new fans because they did a rendition of it, like you said, without their original members and as they've lost several over the years. I, being honest, I was more of a fan of them when they had all their original members, not to say they're, you know, they're not great now, but I enjoyed it. I thought I liked, I liked the rendition they did of Real Face. I thought they did a good job with it. I also thought it was an interesting seeing something like this in a kohaku just because of the type of track it is especially with the rap um but i i feel like they really had fun with it all the members enjoyed it they looked like they they all got into it and the crowd also got into it as well so i thought it was a lot of fun yeah no this was a amazing track i had a lot of fun watching cartoon perform real face and i at the time i was watching it, i had no idea this was their first song i it felt like an older track by them and i was really mystified because cartoon is like one of those groups where you know sometimes they release a track and i like it and sometimes they release a track and i'm like i don't i don't know what they're doing but this i was when i heard real face number two i I, I love this track. I, I really loved it. It almost makes me want to go out and buy the uh, the their first release. I, I don't know how expensive it would be currently, but uh, yeah, probably this, be cheap. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, it's good to know it's not a collector's item. <laughs> 
So yeah, th- this was but this was a great performance, and I I love the rap. I, I love the rap. If we're t- if we're going to talk about rap performances, there's one later on we can get into, but this one right here, I I think it worked. I think it worked for what it is, and I think they made good use of the stage, and I really liked the how they used the big screens in the back and just really made good use of it. This was a lot of fun and. I, I hope we don't go another 15 years without seeing cartoon on this stage because I think I think that'd be a travesty. Yeah, so there was one thing that I was quite interested in when we were going to get to cartoon because I think this is one of the first songs that you ever heard Tatsuya Ueda rap in. And, yeah, you know, while he might not be the strongest rapper compared to show, he's probably one of their better rappers, to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, and it would be nice if they incorporated because uh, you're right. Like I didn't know that Cartoon had a rapper. <laughs> so yeah, when no, he started rapping, ca- they, it was kind of blew my called, mind a bit. Uh, they were called Odyssey Light for the longest time. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, they, they they need to do more tracks with him rapping in it because he's really he, he's pretty good overall. Yeah, he may not be as strong as Show, but he's very comp you know very competent at rapping and done a great job so uh they need to they need to do a few more rap breaks uh like like the whole song does not need to be a rap track but you know just a break in the song where there's a good rap i i'm a huge rap break fan i I love it every time i hear it it just i just love it so uh, I don't know. Hopefully, like them going back to their roots might help them move forward. You never know, because uh, like I would love to hear more rap from them. You know, and like for for me, like previously announced, it was very interesting that you know Cartoon never really made it to the Kohaku, even after the Johnny's boom that Odyssey did when they joined, and you know, even though this might be their last, or you know, overall or anything like this. You know, this was being their 15th anniversary. It was a great way to end that anniversary. You know, it was just a very vocal-heavy song that just really won me over. And, you know, Cartoon is 50-50, literally, on how I felt. But Real Face, number two, really won me over. Once again, to be like, yeah, I really enjoyed Cartoon's work. So... But with that, let's continue on to the 14th act here, and it's the lovely Mone Kamishiraishi with her song Yoake o Kuchi Suza Same Tara. And yeah, what did you guys think of her? Because I, I've been championing her for the longest time because I've, she's probably one of the, the stronger debuts from 2021 in my personal opinion for a female artist and I, I've always wanted to hear how you guys would react to her because she she hasn't wanted big so to speak to get on the Oricon. So what did you guys think of about her debut and I guess your initial thoughts about her? So I absolutely loved Mone Kamishiraishi. I thought she was freaking amazing. Her vocals were blew me out of the water live just her performance in general I would say she was one of the top three of the Oricon I had for vocals I mean 
she just I cannot say enough about how much how good Yoakio Kuchizusametara was and Monet just I, I was just uh my jaw dropped at just how good she was live and I am looking forward to seeing more of her she probably had the best debut in the Kohaku or one of the best debuts I, I just cannot say enough about how much I loved her Yeah, she's definitely near the top of just really good debuts for the year. And this is a stunning, jaw-dropping performance. Uh, just emotion, skill, and power that really driven by excellent piano and string composition. This was really good. And, and you know, I want to say, like, Monet's vocals are really, really good. But I want to just give pump that the accompaniment that she had uh the string instruments and the piano are superb absolutely superb it it enunciates that that her performance 1000 percent yeah yeah because i mean and, and like i said she gives a very emotional driven performance you see it in the way she moves in her eyes just the way she shakes her head when she sings it's a very moving and powerful performance uh that really just left me left my jaw on the floor uh luna said it i i i don't i don't know who had the best debut i'm just going to be honest but she's she's definitely a contender for the best because she absolutely killed it and this was amazing performance overall Yeah, no, and like I said, I was very, very uh, wondering how you guys would take to her because obviously she hasn't appeared on the the Oricon yet, so I wasn't sure if you guys would like her initially, but what a way to debut. What a freaking way to debut. And, you know, Loki, one of the 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 better debuts that we had for the Kohaku. She's an extremely powerful vocal and her talent was just on point with this release. And like what you were saying, Gray, you know, the composition that she had with the piano and the string orchestra just elevated her performance 1000%. And I loved every minute of it. I, I wish I could just, you know, hold that little performance right into my pocket in every day. But, yeah, it's probably one of the best performances that I did see on the Kohaku here. And what a great way to debut. But with that, let's continue on to the 15th act here. And it is King and Prince. Now, I'm going to shake it up here because I know this was probably one of your favorite songs done by them, Gray. So what did you think about their performance? Oh, my gosh. This was, uh, man, I was so excited because I, I remember when we did our like kind of like predictions episode and we were talking about like, you know, who we were looking forward to seeing. And I said King and Prince and uh, we, we were talking about like, you know, what song they would pick. I was hoping they would pick Koi Furu's Sukiyo ni Kimi Omu. And I was so ecstatic when they did it. I think this was a stellar performance overall. 
Uh, I I do I will say a couple of things. I do think that they've had better performances in prior years. I don't think this is their best performance, even though this is probably my favorite song by them. I just I have fallen in love with this track. I love it to death. But the some there's a couple of points where the vocals aren't quite right. I felt like they could have used one or two more times uh, practicing a little bit, just a little bit more fine tuning in the practice. Uh, vocally, but it came together, like I said, for the most part, and wound up being a great performance overall. And I mean, you know, these guys have been impressive since they debuted. This is their fourth time on here, and uh, they they're just great. And I, I'm really starting to come around on the King and Prince train. Uh, I'm like I'm, I'm, I'm like I'm really looking into buying an album when I get the money, and I really, really like these guys a lot. This is one of my favorite performances of the night, uh, mostly just on the on how much I love the song. The song is fantastic, and uh, if I could listen to it every day, I would. And I honestly, I think I go to YouTube like three times a day to listen to it. If I get bored, I will go to YouTube and listen to this track. Uh, <laughs> I love it so much. It's just oh my god. Uh, this is also one of the songs uh, I talked about in my song of the year uh, last week. So this was a great performance and uh, I really loved it. And I couldn't, like I, like I said, there's a, I have a few quibbles about it, but they're minor at the end of the day. And this was a great track or this was a great performance overall. I, I 100% agree. I thought Koifuru Sukiyoni Kimi Omo was fantastic. And King and Prince just more than knocked it out of the water. I mean, I thought their dancing was really good. I mean, they had great vocals. I, I honestly think they they picked the perfect song for the Kohaku this year. And I mean that and I I don't listen to them all the time, but when I do listen to them, this it reminds me of how much I do enjoy their music. And they are I hate to say it, the next Arashi, but in a way they might be. I mean, they they're the one that's ca carrying on their legacy. I would yes. completely agree with that because yeah. out of all of them, I mean, I mean, probably Nani Niwadanji will probably give a runner up with the the money there about which is con inherently Johnny style between the the four or five Johnny's Juniors debuts that we saw. It, King it's and really Prince is, King and it, Prince. It, 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 it is King and Prince. They are Johnnies. They are the yeah. next generation of Johnnies. Yeah. And I think they're holding the flame really well because this, this Kohaku performance I thought was fantastic and I loved it. I I hope they keep on doing what they're doing because they, they keep doing performances like this. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep liking them. And you know, for King and Prince, I I really forgot honestly how johnny's this song was and i really did like the performance overall i did like the fact that this was on the main stage and how cleanly cleared up it was from all the flowers that they had on earlier and i really did think at the end of the day the colorfulness of the confetti really helped that theme out very much so and it really a lot of the songs this year really showed that the theme wasn't just a theme to be tacked on. It was really an integral part of the show overall. And 
not, not much else I can say without, you know, stepping on toes of what you guys already said, but it was one of the more better performances that we've seen. With that, let's continue on to the 16th performance here, and that is Millet with her song Fly High. Now, what did you guys think about this lovely track here and a returnee from Millet? So, I love Millet. I think she is a fantastic vocalist, and I did enjoy the song Fly High. However, I felt this performance was a little off, and I I feel like part of it maybe was the composition. It did feel a little lighter, and Millet's vocals were a little heavier. I don't know. There was something about it that did throw me off, and I know this is Millet's second time on the Kohaku. Last year, I felt like her performance was really short, and just how it was set up was very disappointing. This year, I'm glad she had a bigger stage to shine. However, I don't know if Fly High was the right song because I like it when she has her deeper vocals, which she usually does live. And she does have higher vocal range. I mean, she has a huge range in vocals. And I give her props for that. Something about Fly High did feel a little off. I, I like, she looked absolutely beautiful. I know she gave her best. But I, I just cannot pinpoint on it what sounded off for me. But it did feel like it was a little off. And it could have just been the song Fly High in general because I could see how that is a very difficult track to do live. Especially on the stage it was on. So I'm kind of, I'm a little disappointed again this year with this performance. Because I have a live Blu-ray of her and she is phenomenal in it. And... This performance doesn't hold a candle to some of her other lives that I've seen. So I guess I'm just kind of a little like, man, I want her to have this phenomenal Kohaku performance. Maybe I'm just envisioning it way bigger than it should be. But I was slightly disappointed. The reason why she chose Fly High is because it's used for the Winter Olympics. It's it's used for NHKs. Yep. And, and, And... to the bottom line, that's what it's going to be. <laughs> oh, yeah, and I like it. Fly High. I do. However, I don't know. It just sounded off to me, and I just can't pinpoint why. I don't know if it's because it was live and the live version just sounded a little off then versus the studio version. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's because I'm not a Millet fan. Like, I, I came at this uh, slightly different angle than than everybody else coming into it. Uh, I liked this. I thought it was a great performance overall. I felt like Fly High was really fitting for the occasion. And I kind of liked that uh, she kind of got a moment to just shine in the spotlight uh, uh, on her herself. Uh, You know, it's a, it's because she just, it's just her on stage. There's nobody else or anything like that. And she's in front of the the audience. I, I did. I, I liked it. I thought it was a good performance. I felt like her, vocals in fly high were really good uh she does have good good deep vocals uh but i I did i don't know it worked for me and uh, i really had a lot of fun with it so i thought this was a great performance overall i mean great you're not alone with that i personally think that she had a much better showing this year than last year and honestly she really benefited having a crowd around her and an actual stage presence than you know just standing in the middle of nowhere with no no people i think personally her songs really really benefit from having a crowd ambiance with her and the fact that you know she was able to 
have that shining light, so to speak, to kind of really inspire people about to fly higher and sort of stuff. It really did help that. And I can see that point, how it definitely benefited from her having the crowd. And maybe it's just me and I just had a different envision in mind. But I did like that she got her chance to shine because last year I felt like she was robbed of that. No, oh, yeah, no, definitely. Like like I said, you know, she was robbed of it last year. And I, I really did think that this was overall a better performance. Even if vocally it might have sound off. It, it was still better, in my opinion, to have that ambiance of the crowd there just staring at her. <laughs> yes, I completely agree. But with that, let's continue on to Act 17th here. And it is, it's a very interesting act, you know, of the lovely internet artist Mahu Mahu. And yeah, no, it's a very interesting act. This is the first time that we've been probably introduced to this act and this artist before mostly because we don't really pay attention to the internet side of things because mafumahu is mostly known for for vocaloid stuff and unfortunately we're not really in the vocaloid circle so it's a little bit difficult to to comprehend that but what did you guys think of mafu mafu with or uh, with the performance of inochi no kirawarete iru so mafu mafu was very interesting this was my first time hearing them and inochi ni kirawarete iru was a interesting choice of song i thought mafu mafu's performance was actually unique in a way i i thought I just thought the whole stage setup, the vocals, just seeing something like this live and seeing how Mafu Mafu has that capability to change their voice is just amazing. And and just because Mafu Mafu seems like such a, I don't know, a quiet person as they didn't really show their face you know, too much, you saw it, but I don't know, it was a very intriguing performance and i'm kind of curious about hearing more because i didn't mind mafu mafu's vocals i actually liked their range yeah no this was definitely a very interesting performance by mafu mafu but i I did i wound up liking it overall i felt like mafu mafu had a really good stage presence and performance and mafu mafu's energy that uh, they really put into it just it really works uh, and does really well. So I liked the performance overall and I felt like it was pretty strong and I'm really, I'm curious if Mafu Mafu is going to come back because it'll be interesting to see if they invite Mafu Mafu back. So I honestly don't think that they would probably come back because they made a point that really this is his, this is their first, televised event and i don't know if they felt really comfortable with that (laughs) yeah yeah but i don't think mafu mafu did anything strange or weird and i the song worked really well so yeah no i'm not saying because of the performance i think it's because of them itself (laughs) oh mafu mafu yeah okay yeah that makes sense that makes sense because it's it's like kenshi where even though he might sell well he could give 
two rats ass about the Kohaku. <laughs> that's true. That's very true. Yeah, because uh, I remember like the one time he was on, like they, it was a big deal. So, yeah, I could yeah. see that. Yeah. So you know, this is the first time for a televised performance, and doing a vocal load song, you know. Personally, it's not my style, but it's very impressive to kind of see it on a stage like this. So nothing much more I can really ding it or I can't ding it for that. But it's very impressive nonetheless. But with that, let's continue on to the 18th act here. And it is our lovely Mizumori Kaori with the lovely track of Ihi. Tabidachi. Now, what did you guys think of a good old Mizumori Kaori's act? Mizumori Kaori is always always a treat to see. I really enjoyed Ihi Tabidachi quite a bit. Um, I think she has an absolutely beautiful voice. And it was an interesting how they did the video. They kind of, you know, started off the live where she's in this, you know, not obviously not on, you know, at the actual venue and then they show the video of her with the scenery and then i like how it ends especially where she's located because it looks absolutely gorgeous i thought it was a very interesting performance yeah no when i first started watching this i was i don't know i was kind of bummed out because you know what part of the appeal of the kohaku is watching the live performance and i really felt like i i had mixed emotions with this one because this is it feels more like a music video than it really does a, a live performance. And it's well, not until a, a the, lot of, the end it's revealed to be a live performance. A lot of, a lot of things is it had to dealt with the name of the song because it is talking about a, a good day to adventure. Oh, gotcha. So like a lot of these things, I mean, it might not make sense for someone who... who if you can't understand or read, understand Japanese, it might not make sense yeah. for certain parts. But when you just kind of think of it, it's like the the Yurakucho song that that Kesuke Yamuchi did. He the only yeah. reason why they did it with the night view over Yurakucho is because it it's in the name of the song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and yeah, and, and like like what you said makes sense and stuff. Uh, but uh, yeah, no. It, I, I get it, but like I said, like that was just like my thought when I was watching this. I was like, man, why is why is this like a music video sort of thing? Uh, but it's not it's not a music video. It, it is a live performance because you know it the camera at the very end of the track reveals she's singing, uh, and the closing moments of the song are live. And I, I doubt they sunk they they would did like a sync up and stuff. So like I think it's just there's oh, no. a video playing and her singing over it. And, you know, what's what's interesting thing, like, you know, I know how we feel about certain stances. And, you know, how everything is right now, it's pretty understandable at the reason why what she did and what a lot of these acts did. I did interestingly like the music video stance because it really did play to the theme of it is a... A wonderful day to go on an adventure kind of thing i agree and that's actually why i enjoyed it just because i felt like it fit with the theme of the song and i i like how they did it to be honest yeah and one one thing there is you know 
where she did end, she ended it at a World Heritage Site of the uh, Kiyomizu Temple in Kyoto. The added fact that it was snowing really kind of added to the effect of just that final punch, so to speak. No, I agree. I thought it was very befitting, and I like how it did end like that. I thought it was perfect. Not to say I don't agree with you, Gray. I really do think that I really wish that I saw her perform this live, but I understand certain themes of the reasons why they did, of what they did. (laughs) But with that, let's move on to Act 17 here, and it is Lovely (laughs) Snowman (laughs) with their lovely debut track of DD. Sorry that I laughed there. It's mostly because when I see that particular song, you know, there are certain emotions that come with that. <laughs> now, oh, what did we think about Snowman's debut to the Kohaku with DD? So, I knew Snowman would obviously pick DD because of uh, they missed their chance. Unfortunately, they weren't able to debut due to certain things last year. So, and this being their debut song, makes sense as well and being their best-selling song single so far however i know dd is definitely not my favorite song by snowman but i understand the choice and i can easily see why they did it and snowman did a fantastic job performing it even though it may not be my choice in song by them You can't deny their live performance. They all brought 100% plus energy to it. They had fun with it too. You could tell all the guys were having fun together and singing and dancing and performing this in a Kohaku for everyone. So I felt like a lot of that energy made me enjoy the performance because you could tell they were so excited to be there and be performing and doing this. So, I, I mean, I would say I liked it. I'm still not a big fan of DD. However, you can't deny they put on a good show. Yeah, no, I, I had mixed feelings in the beginning about this because I, I, I agree with Luna. I think there's other songs that that they have that is way better. And I was really, you, you know, I was... I felt like when I first sat down to watch this, like they were like, well, you know, we had, we had all this planned and we're just gonna, we're just gonna do what we were supposed to do last year when we had to back out the last second. And and I was like, "Eh, I would have liked to have seen something different than what you were going to do last year and chose not. And, and, you know, due to circumstances, you couldn't, but you know, these, these guys are fantastic. And I never realized how big snowman is. Like this is a big group. It's nine dudes. And I mean, they killed it overall. And yeah, they put their heart and soul. I mean, they leave it all on the dance floor at the end of it. And while they do have better tracks, I still like DD. I remember when Imitation Rain and DD dropped. I liked it, DD. And it was Imitation Rain I didn't like, but I loved DD. And so to hear it again on the live stage is really good. I really enjoyed this performance overall. And I did wind up eventually having a lot of fun with it. Even if I did have like a little like quibbles about it in the beginning, I felt like it really came together and I loved it. And you know, overall, like I feel the same with you, but I knew that this was going to happen. They were going to do DD. Even even if they were, were they had better song, they are always going to sing their debut. It's kind of like what cartoon. They have better songs, in my personal opinion, but they're always going to sing their debut song. And, you know, I mean, they. I knew. I knew that they were going to do this song. 
and I was still very mad on it overall. It was very nice to see it live, but I'm just like, hmm, kind of thing. But with that, let's continue on to the second lovely special act here, and that is the actor Ken Matsudaira with his lovely song of the Matsuken Samba number two. So what did you guys think about this lovely thing? So I actually enjoyed uh, Ken Matsudaira's uh, Matsuken Samba 2 performance. And here's the funny thing is I'm actually familiar with this song because a couple people have covered it in the past, if I'm correct. Yeah, yeah. There are covers of the song. (laughs) Yeah, and I've heard it. So I actually was singing along to the chorus because I remember this pretty darn well. Um but I mean this was actually a really fun performance. I loved all the the fun costumes. I felt like they really went all out with it. And he got you know ev- I would say like everyone looked like it was very involved. I mean, he just made it a fun performance and it was extremely enjoyable. So, I personally really liked it. Yeah, no, this was a, a blast. And I, I want to say I love the little bit that they did with the guy in the control room and Yo uh, Oizumi. Uh, like, that's a funny little bit that they did. And I really felt like it was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, so the, I, I was going to just add this one bit. It's a continuation of what they did in the Olympics, if you guys don't remember that. Yep, I do. And I actually thank you for bringing that up because I remember him from the Olympics and they did something similar. Yeah, yeah, I remember. I also remember that bit. And I remember that was one of the standout of the Olympic opening ceremonies was that bit too. So uh, it, it didn't get old. I think it worked uh, again and uh, I really liked it overall. And uh, this is a fun song. This is uh, high energy, uh, a lot of blast, and it definitely is colorful with the, all the really bright colored kimonos i mean that dude's kimono is sparkling so ken uh, matsu daira's performance is really good overall and i had a lot of fun with it um this is definitely a, a really fun performance yeah no i i personally know ken matsudaira from his operando shogun days and he's mostly known as an actor so it's very interesting to see him as a singer and, and you probably recognize him as well gray so he he did look a bit familiar he was in the o's movie oh gotcha and uh, gotcha. i told you this as well when we first initially did this too. yeah 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 <laughs> yeah so he played he played uh a very very unique role that probably carried it to his grave at this point. I grew up watching his show, his show, uh, the um, Abudembo Shogun. So he's someone I kind of grew up with. So to see him as a musician was something very, very interesting. His entrance, to say the least, was uh, very insightful because I had to deal with the the com uh, the comedic act and it ended in with him just skateboarding on in doing what what's new with the kids kind of thing <laughs> and i kind of really uh, found that really funny now with the act overall it's very interesting because it's very colorful like the theme implied it 
however, they included different ability artists and dancers, which was really, really cool of them to do. It's something that I really appreciated that, you know, I'm pretty sure that he personally probably put in to have persons, people of different abilities to come and perform. It was really awesome to see that one guy just break dance off the wheelchair. It was something, something else to see. I agree. The break dancing was probably my favorite. And I love that he included all that in that performance, making it probably one of the one of my other top performances of the Kohaku. I, I don't I like it when they cut back to the 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 studio guy and he's up there uh he's on the screen dancing with <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the crew. Dancing, I love that. Yeah. That was great. Yeah, it's a very good one and forth to bring back the act altogether, so but overall, like how they did this was it was just so interesting and I really, really appreciated it. And the fact that it was a, a special act that does like kind of bring it down because I did wish this was for the male side because I think as a bombastic act, it was absolutely amazing. Okay, with that, we'll start off the second half here and they started off with a bang by having a bunch of pop culture things that of note that really happened throughout the year so there, there's a couple things of note here obviously is so they talked about the passing of Ko- koichi sugiyama and they did this lovely tribute for him for dragon quest and you know they talked about the three main pillars of pop culture that really happened throughout this year as mostly because of sugiyama's death or passing uh, Kimetsu no Yaiba Mugen Train once again because they did release out here by that time and really doubled down the fact that Yaiba is here to stay sort of thing and obviously the fourth and final movie of the Shin um, Evangelion movies here so they kind of did something to kind of honorize that and kind of memorize that by doing a pop culture group here so they did the overtune and to the legend of Dragon Quest, along with a performance from Lisa doing Homura to honor Demon Slayer live Yaiba. And then on surprising note, they had a performance by <laughs> Yoko Takahashi by doing Crow Angel's Thesis, which was really interesting because they did a whole bit of the movie and something kind of like that throughout all three, obviously, but they did something of a movie bit of, uh, of a parody of Shinji getting the, the stupid robot thing with, with, uh, Mr. Oizumi. So that was something very interesting to see. And also the start of the Dragon Quest segment, they did an entire Dragon Quest 8 bit kind of version talking about. The performance that they were leading up to what was very interesting is that they had the tokyo metropolitan symphony orchestra do the the overture for dragon quest and stuff like that so what did you guys think about this pop culture performance act so i enjoyed it i don't know as much about dragon quest but i loved the orchestra and how they commemorated uh sugiyama yeah sugiyama <laughs> sorry I, I love that part. It is I thought it was a very good way to commemorate his 
his life and what he's done. I thought it was beautifully done. And I really liked the Igbic segment. I thought it was cute, even though I've never personally played Dragon Quest. I actually thought it was really interesting. And I did like the Demon Slayer bit. So I have not watched Demon Slayer yet. Or I take that back. I've seen two episodes of it. I haven't actually watched it thoroughly. But I loved Lisa's performance of Homura. I thought it was very, very beautiful, emotional. I thought, I mean, Lisa always does an amazing job. So her outfit, everything looked phenomenal. But my favorite was seeing Yoko Takahashi perform Cruel Angel Thesis from Evangelion. Due to the fact that I, that's one that I grew up watching on TV. I remember watching it in high school. And so Cruel Angel Thesis especially has memories for me. And I've never seen Yoko Takahashi perform live. And I thought this was a great performance. And seeing that live just made it even better, in my opinion. Um, I thought she did a really good job. And I also like the bit with Uizumi going in, you know, when he's going to get into the Ava with Shinji. I actually thought it was really fun. I like that they actually had a model out there that he could sit in. I, I thought that was pretty well thought out. But I did enjoy that they took three big elements of pop culture, especially within this past year that have been huge. It incorporated them there. And I know they're probably trying to draw in a good range of audience with doing that too, but I like that they added that excerpt and I just love that they brought Yoko Takahashi in. That made me really happy that she was able to perform. Yeah, no, uh, Dragon Quest is something that means a lot to me. I've been a Dragon Quest fan since I was in middle school. I got the Game Boy color collection of one and two and i got dragon quest or dragon warrior in the states at the time it was dragon warrior dragon warrior one and two and then dragon warrior three uh on the game boy color those are that was my introduction to the series and so like i played those the first three games i missed four five and six when they re-released them on the ds and i didn't have a playstation when they released seven but I did have a PlayStation 2 when they dropped 8, and I definitely picked that up. I didn't care about the Final Fantasy twelve demo. I wanted Dragon Quest Eight, <laughs> And that, I was that Screw guy. You, 12 was good. I, 12, 12, well, I, I'm, I'm glad people like 12, but I, for, for me, uh, this was a loving tribute to Sugiyama for Dragon Quest and I absolutely loved when they performed and to the legend like there's a little snippet of each of the 11 games and I had a moment uh, where I realized like you know Dragon Quest 12 is announced in development and uh, they're really revamping the series and it's really stinks that Sugiyama, this is going to be the first game to release without Sugiyama's, Sugi, Sugiyama's touch and influence. So it'll be interesting to see like how they they do that. But I loved the Tokyo Metropolitan Symphony Orchestra's performance of the Overture into the Legend. I those are really great performances overall, and I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, now for Lisa. I'm in a similar boat to Luna. I've seen three episodes and I, I, I don't, I keep talking. I've, I've got friends that like it. And I keep talking to my wife. It's like, man, I feel like I should be liking this show. And I, no, I, I don't like it. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't, uh, this is 
separate from the talk because this is involving the movie and the movie yes. is a little bit much more different compared to the, the show but i didn't see what the big deal was i'll yeah, be well, that guy and that's I, even a bigger target on my back to be honest yeah, yeah. um yeah like like i said i i think i want to go back to it at some point and watch it i will say i love the 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 dude in like the chibi tanjiro suit uh that they had which tanjiro is the protagonist of uh demon slayer so you know it is what it is and you know it was nice to hear Homura again and i i I was watching the the clip in the background i was like i wonder how many major spoilers from that movie were in that clip that they were airing so it'll be interesting to see overall but moving on to yoko taka takahashi's uh, cruel angels thesis this is also really good i i was kind of late to to evangelion i didn't watch evangelion until i was in my early 20s and it was kind of old hat by the time i watched it i'm not gonna i'm not gonna lie uh and i i like the original anime series i i honestly dug the rebuild movies a bit more but uh i did always love the opening cruel angels thesis and uh, I did love the the shtick getting the robot Shinji. Uh, that that that's that's gonna be a meme till the day I die. Uh, so I, I am like that's just well, it was fantastic. But uh, seeing Cruel Angel's thesis live was a lot of fun, and I, I felt like Yoko Takahashi's performance was really good. And it was nice to see uh, this this really really classic song just performed live on stage it is really good and i i felt like that was a really cool and i did like that it, even though it it is kind of celebrating the fourth movie because they could have i mean i don't think they could have got utada but it was like they could have got utada and had her come out and do a beautiful world or something because because that that's more in line with the movies but um uh, i i think that they commemorated the tv show instead i think i really liked that and i loved hearing Angel's thesis so i thought it was fitting and very touching yeah to that point i really do think it's because they couldn't get a data <laughs> that they did cruel angel's thesis uh, for the most part so uh, i have a personal problem with sugiyama but that's just me personally. I It's mostly because of what the man stood for, but outside of Dragon Quest. And I really don't like that. But it, it I, I, I have noticed to know to separate a man's work from his personal life. And he does do great damn work. And it'll be very interesting from what you just said, Gray. It'll be very interesting to show what will happen with Dragon Quest Twelve, without him, and I'm sure it'll be okay because I mean it's like Uematsu with Final Fantasy. It ended up being okay after he was gone from the series as well. So it'll be very interesting to see what type of visionary they will continue on with his work with Twelve. Now for Yaiba, I honestly thought that Homura was a much more better performance than her akeboshi performance and that's telling you it's telling you something personally i just really do love homura as a as a thing because it's so much works as a ballad 
And so much works. And the Evangelion segment, I did think it was really funny with the pod, and it was very impressive that they had a life one-to-one scale pod version. I think they got it from their, uh, I think it's from the Shinkansen collaboration that they had. And it did lead to the great Yoko Takahashi singing Cruel Angel's thesis. And that was hella impressive, to be personally honest. And like you did say, I, I would have liked Utada to be in it, but <laughs> uh, there was no way they were probably going to get Utada. I think at this point, she's too much of a difficulty to get, so to speak. She'd have to leave London. She ain't doing that. <laughs> like, I mean, no. she could just do a video thing, like how other That's people true. have she done. Could, she could have done that. But yeah. With that, let's continue on to the 20th act here, and that is the lovely vocalist, I, with her song, I Dibadan. And what did you think about this, Luna? I know that you are a huge fan of I, that's why. I mean, we just talked about her in your in your, in your, your 2021 roundup. Yes, I, I love I. I think she is a fantastic vocalist, and she... And for her ballads are always amazing. I mean, Story will be always be my favorite ballad, but Arudeban was phenomenal. And I I knew she'd pick this because one, it was tied to a drama, and two, this would be more fitting for the Kohaku because I mean, one, it is a ballad, and it's it's a more soulful ballad and I could never see her doing one of her more hip hop tracks on the Kohaku that I'm sure they wouldn't be too thrilled about that. But Arudeban was just amazing. And I showcased her vocal talent on stage. I mean, not only did she look classy like she always does. I mean, I loved her nice, her nice sleek outfit and just the powerhouse vocals she has, what all the soulfulness she put into it. And near that end, when she was just belting out the lyrics, was just amazing. At the end, I was honestly expecting to her just drop her mic and walk away because she literally just blew that performance out of the water and just wowed me. And this is one of the reasons I absolutely love when she does ballads because she... It is a great showcase of her talent as an artist. Yeah, no, this was a wonderful, amazing, moving performance by I. Very emotional and really just showcasing like how strong a vocalist she is. Uh, she does an amazing job at this. And yeah, they, they also showcase scenes from the drama that it's tied to. And and they had one of the stars of the drama come out and talk a little bit before she came on. But still, this, this track stands on its own and it's, it does really good. And I really like the little like animation thing that they have going on behind her. It's really cute and adorable. And I really felt like overall this worked really well. And this was a great performance overall for I. Yeah, you know, like you guys said, I mean, having the introduction for the lead actress from, from that drama that is for is one of a one-two punch there and you know as someone who admittedly doesn't really listen to a lot of i you know i was really hell of impressed by this showing with that let's continue on to number 21 it is kanjani 8 and who boy it's it's their song relive and i specifically remember that we weren't really a big fan of relive so how did you guys 
like the performance of this this time around. Performance was fun. However, I'm still not a big fan of Relive. I the funny thing noticing watching Kanjani eight is because I I always forget that their age until I watch them live in a Kohaku and then I think, oh wow, <laughs> I keep forgetting they all look older except the one who's an actor. I mean, and, they're all, like, literally in their mid-30s to 40s now. Well, they don't look like mid-30s, because I'm almost mid-30s, and some of them look older than mid-30s. There's a couple that look like they're in their mid-40s, no offense to them. Yeah. But, you know, like, they still bring all the energy, though. You wouldn't know that they're age-wise, because they do have a lot of energy, and they brought that in RE Live. It might not be my type of song, to be honest, especially because I'm very hit or miss on Kanjani 8. But you can't deny they're always good about bringing the energy to the stage. Yeah, no, I wound up really enjoying this performance overall. And I need to go back and listen to Relive because maybe I was being hard on it on that week or maybe I listened to it in the wrong attitude or whatnot. But I love this performance overall by Kanjani A. I love the energy that they had. I mean, they might look older, but they don't, they're not bringing the, you know, mid 40s energy <laughs> in the song. Like, like they are, you know, it's, giving it's, it their it's all. funny that you, it's funny that you say that, Gray, mostly because I know Kanjani A is probably the, the bigger, the bigger, artist that hasn't really sold you on their style. Yep. I yeah, think they're the last Johnny's group that hasn't really sold you on their style. Con Johnny Eight's like the holdout because it, it and it, it is hit and miss. Like sometimes I I listen to them and I, I don't I don't like it, and then sometimes I listen to them and I really like them. Uh, and uh, maybe I'm just growing more accustomed to them and stuff because like it seems like I'm they're hitting on a higher frequency now and a m- much more regularity. So I think I'm maybe just adjusting to what Kanjani is and what it's supposed to sound like. And mm. uh, and yeah, I loved Relive. I thought this was an amazing performance. Like I said, like I, I, I had a smile on my face the whole time. Uh, it was me, my <laughs> wife, and my... And, and, and uh, it was me, uh, our dog was laying in the center on our couch, and then my wife was on the end, and, and I was dancing to the song <laughs> in the couch, and, and, and the dog's head was in my lap, and the dog was like, no. So, uh, uh, <laughs> stop. Just, just stop. <laughs> and I'm like, never. I just, I, I got into this performance, and I just, I did. It just, like, like I said, maybe I was just having a bad week or something, but uh, or maybe this performance was just really good, and the actual track isn't the, all that good. It just I haven't gone yeah. back and re-listened. To it, it, it could it could just be the that the performance was there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The like I because like like I said like like they they have that energy like they they bring it and they bring it hard and I I loved this performance overall. I loved their outfits. I loved everything about it. This was. A really standout performance, and I thought because they're they're the last Johnny's group to perform, and I felt like they went out on a high note. Be, be, you know, for for their brand and for their group, I felt like they went out on a high note, and I, I really liked it. Yeah, you know, for for me, it's for Con Johnny Eight. I'm like you. I I already know what to expect from them, Gray. But it's just, it's really sad. <laughs> I know that they're doing their best with this performance. 
But overall, it's just kind of eh on it. I, and I know that they're doing their best. I'm with Kanjani 8. They're just trucking along because, unfortunately, I don't know what else is there for them to do at this point to really kind of win me over. But regardless, let's move on to the 22nd act, and that is the newly debuting Bish on the Kohaku with their song Promise the Star. Now, this is kind of bittersweet because I don't know if they are going to be on next year or not. I mean, I guess I could put this as a prediction. If they are on next year or not, it will be their their last performance. But I think it was very important for for them to be before they kind of go out with a bang in 2023 to at least perform on the Kohaku. And what did you guys think about this performance? Let's start with you, Luna. So, most of you know I'm not a super I'm not super big into Bish. And this performance I, I understand the bittersweetness of it and I do respect what Bish does. However, somebody's vocals were way off. And I mean by way off, way off tune to the point you could tell. And I felt like there was one member in particular. I don't know who it was. And there was a second member who also sounded off key as well. But it wasn't as bad. And it was only two particular girls that really stood out. And you noticed it significantly in the performance. I think all the other girls sounded really good and like, Look-wise, I really enjoyed that type of their performance, and I probably would have liked the song a little bit better if whoever was off-key was not off-key to that point because it was a little grating on my nerves. I just feel like she just didn't hit all those notes properly, and it could have been they were also a little off-sync music-wise maybe because it felt like that too, but it was really the the vocals that uh, it was a little too much for me. And I know sometimes that's their style and that's kind of why I'm not super into them, but it felt more off than normal. Yeah. So I really wound up enjoying this performance overall. I will go ahead and agree with Luna. Uh, I like, I think, I think I know it was the one I know the end. I, I think like there was a couple of times where in, in time, like she hit the chorus, like she wasn't quite hitting the notes. Right. And I think, I think if they had one or two more practices, it would have ironed it out and stuff. But overall, I really felt like this was a great, uh, not great, but a, a really good performance. And I really enjoyed the track that they picked. Promise the Star is an older track. I thought like they would go with something more current. Uh, they had a couple of songs that they released this year that I felt would have fit for the Kohaku that were really good. Star was the one that I thought of. I was like, because it's a slow ballad and it's very beautiful and it works. And they do have other songs that I like a little bit more than Promise the Star. But Promise the Star is a fantastic track. It's on their Gorilla Bish album. And I absolutely adore that song. So to see it done live it was a treat to me. And while the vocals weren't quite there, I I, th- I think this was overall a good performance. Uh, and something to keep in mind, they may not make it next year. This could be their one and only performance at the Kohaku, which would be kind of even more bitter and sweet. Uh, so I, I I'm eager to see like, you know, if they come back next year, you know, if they do, are they going to do another 
crowd pleaser or are they going to do something a little bit more current uh so we'll wait and see how things shake out and um we'll see it from there but overall i think bish did their best and i think they led with an amazing track i honestly think if they were to come back next year they would just do a a a medley i don't think doing just one song would be preferred yeah, do, do like a medley of some of their... Because uh, I would love to see them do Life is Beautiful live. I like that's, I, that's still my favorite Bish song, and I would love to see a live performance of that. Um, but that's such a sad and dour song. Like, I don't know if it's appropriate for the Kohaku. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, I mean, that's just Bish in, in general, that's, though. Yeah, that's Bish in general. You know, I'm, I personally, I am very happy that Bish was able to perform on the Kohaku because this is probably their first and maybe last time to have done so on such a big stage. But, yeah, it's really, really difficult to not ignore the fact that someone was in this song was just really off. It was really difficult not to think about that, especially at certain parts of the chorus where I think that everyone else is doing such a great job and I, if you think it's Aina then, it's, I'm sorry, Aina. It's just really difficult and was really distracting in the overall performance. And it was only at certain parts, too. And that's what really upsets me. Like, you could be off the whole entire song. That's one thing. But just to be off at certain parts, I, 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 I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, and that's why it's like, it's like yeah, I because Ina has such a distinct voice. That's why I think it might have been her. But you know, it's one of those things. Like I said, I I do think had they practiced the song a few more times, they could have ironed it out a little bit more. I I don't know. I I don't know if it was scheduling or whatnot, but I don't I don't feel like they prepped the song the way they should have because um, they they needed a couple more passbys uh, and in practice well, i mean they deal. were they were practicing their their performance to be like yeah we're done <laughs> yeah yeah and, and yeah like like i said I, I don't know why maybe and it could be um they were just having an off night i, I hate to say it, you can practice a thousand times and still come you know live performance mess up but yeah. uh you know it it yeah it's it was the one glaring thing because i i love the song to death and and when you when you hear it the the live performance of it they're like yeah there's like a couple of times there's like hey that, that that does not sound good at all uh and i, th- I think like the, your your voice is isn't hitting that that range and i honestly i don't think ina's had to stretch her vocals in a while so so the fact that she's having to go to her upper upper reaches she maybe yeah who knows but and it's sad because we've heard her by herself and she's a phenomenal solo vocalist. That's why it just really boggles my mind. <laughs> oh, yeah, she's she's amazing. I mean, she was my number five of the year. So, you know, it, it's just one of those things where it's like, uh, I like I said, uh, may, and maybe they're just one year left. They've checked out. That's another thing. But yeah, could we be. could speculate forever at this point. But yeah. Going on to, I know this is your act of the night, Gray. I, I, I know it. I knew it from the bottom of my heart as soon as I saw people prepping for this. As soon as I saw his name, I was just like, yes. Gray's 
greatest performance of the night is right here. And that is the lovely Hiroshi Miya, Miyama with, once again, his fifth performance of the Kendama Sekaiichi special. So basically, it's the Kendama guy. And uh, yeah, he was trying to go for the world record once again for 126 people, I believe. And spoiler yep, alert, he got it. He, he, yeah, he got it. He got it. So just you don't even need to factor that into your guys' talk about it. He got it. But I know I know it's difficult. So what did you guys think about it? Because I know it's mostly about the Kendama than the performance at this point for him. <laughs> yeah, you can tell. I mean, as soon as I, I saw the Kendama lineup, I'm like, oh, here we go again. What I actually thought was really amusing is the dude in that outfit, that that giant. Uh, I don't even know. What oh, Muck! Was. Yeah, Muck! The my giant... good, my character Muck, man. Yeah, yeah he's so... uh, he's part part of the kid series Gachapon. Okay, so the Muck in there, as soon as like he was struggling to get that kendama up, and I thought, oh my god, if he drops it right here, I will laugh so freaking hard. I will feel he was really bad. Four. He was number four, and I, I don't get it. Why do you place him at number four? Granted, he had a, a a large enough kendama to to rectify the fact that you know, a he's in a big ass suit. The suit yep. is it's not like those those like it's not like it's not like form fitting or anything like that. It's no, like it's freaking, bulky, and you can it's, see it's his bulky. It's like it's like if Big Bird was trying to do this. Yeah, yeah, it's like a Big Bird was trying to do this. Man, he was struggling to get that ball up there at first, and I'm like, oh shit, is he gonna drop this? And I thought, oh my god, imagine if he dropped it at number four. I was just thinking that once I got past him, I, I was like, okay, I think it's smooth sailing, but I was kind of like, you know, when I got near the end, I'm like, okay, I think I'm kind of done with this bit. I mean, yeah, I think <laughs> it's great that Miyama, you know, Hiroshi Miyama is still, you know, doing his kendama thing, and but it really is now all about the kendama because the, perf- like... The all the lineup wasn't as cool. Before he did, he's the song ended before he got to the kendama part. Yep, it did. <laughs> so no, no, I'm kind of like over this all now. But it was fun watching that big, uh, the big uh, muck try to get the ball up. That was like my highlight of that whole bit. I, I, man, they, they put so much faith in Muck. I, I'm with Ken. I don't know why he was number four. Like, if he was one, what, what like if he dropped it, he could have quickly redone it. And the song ended so early. I'm like, oh my it, god! It ended Could around like the 100s. Smidge longer. Granted, I don't want them to rush the kendama part and then them missing and then this all be for nothing. They took yeah. their time. Granted, that that's fine. That's fine. Oh my god! But I think I, I think it was the same as last year where I think he ended the song as well before the kendama part. I think just trying to do 160. 126 people is a, just a tad much. And yeah. I know for a fact, I, I wrote this in my notes, This Hiroshi Miyama is probably going to do this act till he freaking passes on to the netherworld. And more power to him, man. <laughs> more power to him. Yeah. Uh, I, this is He's had seven appearances. This is the fifth time in a row he's done the Kingdama thing. I, I'm... I was over it last year. So this, and you I, know, I, the thing was, is, the thing, the thing is, we know that he's going to do it again every single time. And it's something memorable. 
Granted, we're over it, but it's something memorable. <laughs> oh, you no, know, you never forget it. You never forget it. Uh, and, and it was funny because he pops, he makes a, a special appearance in the Yao Sobi with uh, Meteries and O oh, uh, to Key, the Subame song. Uh, like the camera yeah. cuts over and he's he, he does the thing. Yeah, he's uh, practicing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and then or, or mid show, like they go to this giant green room, and you see all these people practicing kingdama. So it's like you know it's coming. Uh, and yeah, I like how they're playing into it a little bit at this point. Uh, so I'm like, well, at least they're mildly self aware of this. But yeah, I, I will say at least they changed up the venue, and it's like out all outside, and it's all just one giant line. I like that instead of just like a, a zip, zigzag sort of thing like they've done in the past on the giant stage. So it, yeah, it, it was interesting, uh, all to say the least. But I, I, I watch it at this point to see if somebody drops it. <laughs> that, that's that's the excitement for me. It's like watching NASCAR and looking only for the crashes. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, only like, for the crashes. That's where the excitement's at. I'm sorry. Like if someone, yeah, you know, for for me, I think that was the problem over the the last couple years. The fact that they had to keep zigzagging, and I think that puts a lot of pressure on these people. So I think I like the fact that they just did it at one straight ass, or as much as they could straight line that they could do it. Granted, you know, sometimes they were doing it faster than the 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 cameraman or the camera person could do it. So it was quite funny to see him see them try to speed up and then slow down when they did cut up to them. With that, let's move on to the twenty fourth act here and that is the lovely Dai Hidai with his his debut on the Kohaku I'm, I'm quite happy about that and he sung his his number one hit song Stand By Me Stand By You so what did you guys think about this I know I'm pretty sure we all really like this song oh I love it I've had Stand By You Stand By Me on repeat for quite some time it's in my uh, a couple different playlists I have so one I'm glad he died I picked it which we knew he would and my god this was one of the performances of the night for me i mean everything about it i absolutely love the you know that he stood there he played the guitar i loved the right in the middle when he just starts playing it he just full goes out and does this guitar solo phenomenal and i also like that he actually changed the rendition up a little bit he made it different than the studio version which i love the flair he added to it he sounded great live he brought so much to this performance he gave his all he put his heart into it and you could tell that he really felt the music going through him singing this and i just cannot say how much I absolutely loved Stand By He'd I Die performing Stand By Me, Stand By You Live. I mean, it was amazing. Yeah, no, this was a spectacular performance. And, you know, Stand By Me, Stand By You is an amazing song. And uh, I I love what he he did with this live performance. I think... He really, like Luna said, just put his heart and soul into this, and it shows. It it pays dividends when you do that stuff. So I I absolutely love this. I thought it was a great performance, definitely memorable and moving. And uh, it's always good to hear "Stand by Me, Stand by You." So the fact that I got to hear it again, I'm not going to complain. 
Yeah, the fact that, you know, well, first of all, that Here I Die was able to go on the Kohaku is just absolutely amazing. I was so happy to hear that he was able to show up on the Kohaku in the first place and to show Stand By Me, Stand By You. You know, this was my song of 2020. It was one of my top songs. And I was so happy to hear it once again on the stage. And you, like you guys said, just the emotion that he put into this performance was damn amazing. And I'm so happy that he was able to do it on such a big stage like this with everyone watching him. And he might not be able to do this again. Hell, he might be able to go on next year. But what a way to leave an impression. What a way. But with that, we'll leave on to another special guest segment here with the lovely... I guess hip-hop group, rap group, I'm not too sure what to pop, uh, put them in, but it is the lovely Ketsumeshi and their song, Life is Beautiful. Now, I'm kind of a big fan of them on and off, and I'm not too sure if you've been a fan of them or know of them, Luna, but I'm pretty sure this is your first experience with Ketsumeshi Gray. So what did you think about it first yeah no i loved this this was this was amazing i i loved every moment of this performance i love the song that they chose to do life is beautiful is uh this fun upbeat number that's full of hope and joy uh just I had a smile on my face the entire time I was listening to this and I loved every second of it. These guys really killed it. I I never really heard of them up until this performance and I'm glad I'm glad that they did it. Uh sadly Life is Beautiful is not on Apple Music as can uh, well, inform It's, it's not available digitally. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh but uh you know they do have some albums available on Apple Music, and so I'm I'm really considering checking out their latest album because they, I didn't know they dropped one this year. Uh, their twelfth album they dropped this year, so I'm I'm really considering going back and listening to their twelfth album and really checking these guys out because they have a really this is the rap style I like. You, you know I always talk about how I'm always looking for new rap artists and rap styles that I like. And this is this is the rap style that I love. I love this style of rap that they do. This is what well, I mean. I'm it's very for. homemade Kazuku, so to speak. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, very much in that same vein. Yes, you're you're very much right on that. Uh, so I I loved I loved uh, Ketsu Meshi. That this was a delight to my ears, and I absolutely adored this performance so i I, i'm very familiar with kitsumishi and i remember listening to them back in the day and occasionally i still go back to them because i love their music seeing them here on the kohaku is a special as the it's been 20 years since their debut and them performing life is beautiful was just phenomenal and it also made me go back and want to listen to their music again because it's been a while since i've actually dived back in and just hearing them live, seeing them live, it felt very special. 
And they brought their all to it. I mean, it was just, I cannot say about how much I love this performance. And it's a great way to get new people introduced to their music and still make all their older fans happy, which made me smile. They did such a phenomenal job. Yeah, so for for me, Ketsumeshi, they are a group that I absolutely love. They are one of those groups that are embedded in the early aughts and of the Japanese music industry and it's hard not to credit them what they've done throughout the industry. Personally, I love Sakura. That's that that's my go-to song. I I don't I don't know if you have a song that you like, Luna. I'm trying to think because there are a couple and it is actually I want to say there was Sakura. I know Life is Beautiful cuz that was one of their bigger ones. Um so. There's Ballad is also one of their popular ones as well. But everyone kind of really knows Sakura for for them, and I, yeah. I I I want you to look that up too as well, Gray, because Sakura is probably one of their bigger songs. Yeah, Sakura, um, Tomodachi was the other one I really liked, and Dea no yeah. Ka- uh, Kakeda. Yeah, and they 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 also did an updated version of Sakura because Sakura is such a it's probably one of the bigger music videos that they've done too it's probably the the song that put them on the map as well so so if you do a remake of your of a of a music video you know that is a a pretty popular song for them yeah sadly i'm not seeing it on apple music but you could probably find uh, the, it on youtube y- youtube that's what i'm specifically if i'm saying music video i'm just saying youtube yeah yeah <laughs> y- y- yeah that's fair yeah unfortunately you know the reason why they weren't on the boy side is because this was a fan requested artist so this was like an audience requested artist so obviously because they weren't initially chosen they would have to be part of the special guest lineup uh that makes sense oh, oh. I'm glad they. I'm glad they made an appearance. I'm glad the uh, the uh, audience was able to, to to get you know them on the stage because they they killed it. But yeah, with that, let's continue on to the twenty fifth artist here, and that is Perfume with their song Polygon Wave. So, what did you guys think of what our senpais did this time around? I mean, I liked it. It's not my favorite performance by Perfume, to be honest. I think the one last year I thought was way better than this one with Polygon Wave. I still enjoyed it because Perfume always does a nice job with how their setup is, their theatrics, their dancing, their vocals. And they they always stand out to me. So, I mean, they always do good, so I'm going to give it a thumbs up. But there's not too much I can actually say about the performance this year. I mean, it's Perfume. And that's all you got to know. Yeah, no, I wound up liking the performance. I'm a little indifferent on Polygon Wave. It's a little electronica for my taste, if I'm just going to be honest. But uh, I thought the performance itself was overall one thing that Perfume is good at and they're very good at is spectacle. And, you know, that's part of the reason why you know i look forward to them every year is they always do something cool and unique and this year is no exception i love this the the, the polygons in the background and the moving t- uh, towers and tv screens that they had um like it all came together to be this spectacle 
And I loved it. It was a lot of fun. Even, like, even if I wasn't quite digging the song they were singing, I had a lot of fun with this performance. And uh, our senpais never let me down. I do know historically they, they've kind of done something outside. But the fact that they were able to just do this off-the-wall sort of thing that's really cool, I really dug. And I felt like this was a lot of fun. And... Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do next year, as always, because they they deliver every time, and uh, and I'm eager to see what they do. Yeah, so like what you guys are saying, I really do like the spectacle that they do have. And while I personally would have liked something outside, like they've done in years past, they really show the probably them and then twice, ironically, were probably one of the two artists that really showed off what they could do in this kind of space and it it was very interesting to sh- be able to show that off granted i i really wish they did better camera work to hide the guys but it is what it is kind of thing <laughs> but you know polygon wave it's a great song i it's not one of my favorites from them but the i i i really liked it and and i did like the awesome effects of 3d that they tried to implement within the song and the stage of it itself so that was a great way to show off what what that shibuya stage has anyway but with that let's continue on to the lovely 26 artists here and this is millennium parade and bell with the song you <laughs> this is so this is for the the animated movie called bell i believe i forget what it's called in japanese but i'm, I'm gonna Be- go by the bell. international I, bell name. I, I think bell is correct so i think you're good well no well well i mean the international name is bell i don't know uh, what yeah. the the japanese name is <laughs> that's fair it's like yeah so that's why i'm saying i'm gonna go by its international name <laughs> But yeah, no, with with you and stuff like that, it they really were going to show off cuz this was one of the bigger movies of this past year. I see I I don't watch animated movies and I don't know anime producers, so I I think it's the same guy that did um It's Mamoru Hosada who did Wolf Children, Boy and the Beast, Girl Summer Who Loved Wars. Her Time. Uh, no, that Mirai. that's the, that's that that's the movie I'm talking about, Summer Wars, because it is Summer Wars, very Summer Wars. Yeah, he also did our War Games for Digimon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, Which and he did the war. others I mentioned too. So he has yeah, a huge. Yeah, no, yeah, he has a huge discography, but the the movie that I was specifically thinking about was Summer Wars. And I mean, personally, the movie isn't out yet in the states. It'll be out by this. By the time this episode is out, it will be released internationally, but we we have no privy to it. Apparently, it's really good, but I just I can't I can't sit through an animated movie, so I don't know. But overall, what did you guys think about the live performance of this? Because I remember you, Gray, weren't really sold on the song. You were like, it was alright, but Luna and I really liked it. But how did you guys think about the live performance of the song? I enjoyed the performance quite a bit because I still like the song You. I love the costumes because they were very weird. And I know the movie looks very colorful from what I've seen in the trailer. And it might have that bit of oddness to it. So I think they did a good job kind of choosing the interesting costumes and attire. I love the live band. 
And I actually thought the vocals were absolutely phenomenal live. And it was a memorable performance just because of everything they put into it from the live band to the costume to the vocals. And it got me very excited to see Belle as it could possibly be an Oscar contender. So I would like to see it in theaters. Don't know if I'll get a chance to. But I, I, I love the performance and the song still held up for me very well. Yeah, no, I'm a huge Mamoru uh, Hosada fan. I own all of his movies and uh, just I, I love his work. I, Summer Wars is absolutely one of my favorites. Um, but uh, I've been following his work now for many years and I'm always excited to see what he does next. And I'm very hyped for Bell. But uh, you, I've never been the biggest fan of, and uh, this performance didn't win me over much either. Like, it's not a yeah, bad that's... song, but it's, it's just not appealing to me. It's just, it's a little chaotic, a little too chaotic for its own good. And, and to me, it doesn't quite work. I get what they're trying to go for, but it just doesn't doesn't line up the way it should for it to work for me, so... Uh, I mean, I'm glad that they Just were here for 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 you, or do you think the the song or the the, the theme that it was going for for the movie? Uh, I don't know. I haven't. Se- I don't know. I I yeah, because I was I was exactly yeah. gonna say. Well, we can't really say that because we haven't seen the I haven't movie. Seen the movie. <laughs> yeah, I I I kept in the dark of what the movie's about. I know it has something to do with um, computer avatars, uh, much like Summer Wars. Uh, <laughs> Other than that, I don't know too much about it. Yeah, like overall, like like I mean, it was an interesting performance. Uh, it was definitely a lot of spectacle to it, which is you know something I was talking about earlier. It's like you know, I, you know, I like the spectacle well, as part of the. I'm reason, gonna but. I'm gonna su- kind of agree with you on this one. Uh, hearing it, I I rather prefer prefer hearing this song. It's in this studio because I I think that Kaho Nakamura is not a good vocalist. <laughs> I think it's specifically the, the what she's trying to do in this song it doesn't really agree with me and it doesn't work live and it's really no, it, it really miffed it, it really miffed me and it's like it's like the same thing where it's it's kind of off what she was trying to do it it's same it's the same like bish where it was off it was completely off but it was completely off the entire time, so I I don't need to. I can just kind of zoom that out that she's just a bad vocalist or a bad live singer. I should say that because <laughs> the song the song sounds okay studio wise, but in live I just wasn't really live in it. <laughs> but regardless, continuing on to the twenty seventh act here, and it is Hiroji Miyamoto with his Yuake no Uta. And what's very interesting is he sung this song on a cruise ship overlooking the Tokyo Bay Harbor. And it's very interesting to see someone actually use their environment like that. Now, granted, it is partly part of the song because it's talking about singing under the night sky. So that's probably the reason why he did this. But what did you guys think about about this act? I think uh, Hiroji Miyamoto's... Yoake no Uta was very befitting, like you talked about his location, especially with the theme of the song. And I mean, I thought it was really nice. It looked absolutely beautiful, the scenery, his performance. I liked his choice in it, making it stand out and be unique. Yeah, no, this was uh, an amazing performance. And 
you know, I really love the whole, like, I'm, I'm on the deck of a cruise ship sort of thing. At first, I thought it was like he was on a set and the the scenery behind him was green screen because I don't, to me, like the camera perspective looked a little weird. Uh, but it became very clear very quickly that he is live on the boat. And when it sunk in, I was like, okay, that's really cool. And just to see, like I said earlier, like to see like Tokyo lit up at night, it's one of those things where it's really cool to see it from a distance. And I absolutely loved the, the lights that they had on the top of the ship. Uh, this, the whole thing just came out to be really cool. And the song was really good too. I felt like his vocal performance was really good. The song was very fitting and uh, it was just a nice and really wonderful performance overall. I thought this was spectacular. So, yeah, no, he sung that performance like he was the king of that boat. And it was hell of impressive in and of itself. And just the range of emotion that uh, Miyamoto was doing on that one performance, he was singing it. He was performing his heart out. And I could see that he was just giving it a 110%. With that, let's continue on to the 28th act here, and it is Nogizaka 46 with Kikake. Now, this is kind of important because they really kind of singled it out. It is vocalist Erika Ukuta's final performance on the on on the Kohaku stage for Nogizaka, and I believe she's been in the group for i think she's the last first generation member i believe um but yeah so it's kind of pertinent for that yeah she's been that been with them for a while since 2007 or 2000 yeah 2007 she's been with them for quite a long time so but what did you guys think of this lovely song so i thought it was a nice send-off for erika okuta i love the piano and I thought that was an absolutely beautiful addition, how they did that. And I liked how each, how the members made their entrance because it started off small and then you got the little groups coming in. So I, I liked that addition to it. I mean, I thought the little background video was really cute. And just how they did the performance of that one last goodbye to her, I thought it was a very good, nice send off for her, making it memorable. Honestly, I think. Kika, uh, Kikake is an okay song. I'm not a big fan of the song, but I like what they did with it and how they did the performance together because I thought it was a very nice way to go. I, I, I wound up really loving Kikake. The... This was a great performance by Nogizaka 46. And, you know, for a group that's had a, a lackluster year, to say the least, uh, I felt like, you know, this is kind of what I've been looking for in them. So, and I, know, I know this is an older song. This is came out, in, I think, what, 20, 2017? Yeah. Uh, but uh, this is this is kind of like what I've been looking for. <laughs> Uh, well, doesn't that prove my point, though? Yeah. <laughs> it does. I, I'm, I'm not arguing with you, but uh, yeah, this this was an amazing performance, and I uh, uh, I love that Okuta was like played the piano for the performance. 
yeah. like to me when you when you're a vocal group and you get by on your vocals i don't think you need to play an instrument but when you do it, it it's like icing on a cake and it really makes it all the more memorable and impactful too that's like oh yeah i'm not only an amazing voice but i can play an instrument too and i can sing like that's very very awesome and to see her at that grand piano playing is such a delight and treat and i wound up really loving this song and i wound up really digging it i i was actually i went looking for it and i found it they it is on their most recent album but that's a that's a greatest hits album uh, it's like here's everything we've ever released all in one package. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's on there. But uh, yeah, yeah this, obviously. <laughs> uh, yeah. This, but this was a great track overall and a very fitting performance for Okuda's last. So I I liked it a lot, and I I, I if only they weren't outshined by Hinata Zaka 46. Uh, this this would have been the best of the 46s uh but still. i mean like like you guys like you guys said i think you know this is a great song to send off ikuta san with and you know like like you said and i've 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 proved th- proved this point with other idol songs i think it's much better for songs that include a, an instrument like my my all-time favorite akb 48 song is anata to christmas eve and what does that have as its main focal point? Someone playing the piano as well. And it, I know you guys heard it because it was on my Christmas songs. <laughs> that became part of my yep. Christmas rotation because I absolutely love that song now. Thank you. So, you know, that's probably one of the songs that like really, really help it together because of the fact that, you know, it really works together as an instrument, that, as a someone who's also singing and playing that particular song. So it it really helps the balance of that group or, or for idols in general. So, but uh, getting back to that, you know, well, first it, it really tells you something that it's a song that they chose to sell from 2016, but it is a great way to kind of honor her and her legacy that she's really done with this group because she's been in it for over 10 years. And you can tell that, you know, it's something that is very important for her. And she is probably one of the last, if not the last, first generation Nogizaka 46 member. And that's that's a great way to bookend, to say the least. So, with that, we'll go on to our next special segment person here. And that is the lovely Takashi Hosokawa with his song Byokyo Jokara and Kita Sakaba. It's a it's a dual a, a double song here that the that uh, Hosokawa was able to sing here. Now what did you guys think about this because he was a vocalist that was a uh, very interesting to say the least. He was I honestly don't have too much to say. I I I, enjoy, I enjoyed his uh, vocals on it. I love the shamisen that they had a, accompanying with him, and the traditional style. But I mean, I I enjoy my Anka performances. I think he did great, but I don't have any more to say. I'm sorry. 
Yeah, uh, I'm with Luna. I don't have too much to add, but I felt like this is a fun performance overall. And uh, it was really nice to hear Takashi Hosokawa because, uh, I mean, he's somebody that I, I don't think I've ever really heard before. And he's definitely not somebody we get to talk about uh, all the time. So Yeah, I mean, he he's an Inca singer. So yeah. unless you're the second coming of Inca, that is, Kiyoshi you know, Gawa. <laughs> we're not going to really see you on the chart all too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but it, it's nice when you, you do hear it, because like, like I said... It's something that is distinctively Japanese, and so when you get to hear it, it's a delight to hear. And I, I, I will say one of the things that I did love about it is how they got all the hosts to come on, all the presenters to come on stage with him and sing along. With well, uh, one of the uh, reasons he, why he did that is because o- Oizumi made it a point that the the second song Kita Sakaba was his favorite song sung by him. So it was a dream come true to kind of for him to kind of go up on there and be able to sing it with someone of his stature. Uh, that that's fair. That's fair. Uh, just that that put a smile on my face to see to, to see uh, Oizumi on stage with him singing along like that. That is that was cool. So the fact that he that this is like his favorite song by him. Uh, making dreams come true. That's special. I, I like that a lot. So it was nice. It, was, it just put a smile on my face. So I, I'll, I guess I'll go for for the most part. That first song for Bill Kyo Jonkara, I was absolutely surprised because he has some pipes on him, and he was holding notes so long that I thought he was gonna pop at certain points. But you know, it, it, that real that second. You know, the main point of his performance was the Kita Sakaba because it had everyone on there. It really led on to the colorful theme. And, you know, Oizumi got to sing on it. And it was a very special performance. And the fact that they really did mark it as a special performance, I didn't really parted against the the fact that the guest or the host was singing with him on there. (laughs) But. It was very good to see them, and that this was a a good way to have Hosokawa be a part of the Kohaku. So with that, let's continue on to our 29th act here, and it is Fuyumi Sakamoto with her song Yozakura Oishichi. So what did you guys think about this lovely set? It's another Inca singer, so it's, it's good that we got two Inca singers back to back. So I loved Fu, uh, Fuyumi Sakamoto's uh, Yosukura uh, Oishichi. So I, I don't know if you guys have seen Kill Bill, but this song reminded me of the song in Kill Bill that Mako Kaichi sings. And I know it's the, you know, it's probably the Enka vibe, the theme, but I absolutely love Fuyumi, Fuyumi Sakamoto's vocals in it. I mean, it just captured me. It was absolutely beautiful. I was swaying the whole time. I mean, I was just blown away. I I absolutely loved it. Yeah, no. Uh, Fuyumi Sakamoto usually does a good job in, in, you know, every year when she comes up. And, you know, she's been, this is her 33rd appearance. So she's, she's, she's a veteran at this point. 
And this is a fun song. I really liked it. And I thought it was a lot of fun. And I think it was a very interesting and unique. And I like how they did like various, because uh, she's on a stage, but like uh, they do like various scene transitions with her. And I thought it was really cool how they did all that. So it, it wound up being uh, fun overall. And uh, I wound up having a blast with it. Yeah, to to make a point there, she was performing on the Shibuya NHK arena. So, like I said before, they're really showing the fact that they could do two different places and still have it be a spectacle like this was. Because, like you said, Gray, the, the stage transitions that they were doing was absolutely amazing. I loved every minute of it. Now for the song itself... You know, like I said, it's good to have Inca really back-to-back as a one-two punch because it was very refreshing because we didn't really have many Inca songs sung throughout. I mean, I believe only once or twice beforehand. It was mostly a majority current style of music. And it's very important to have that. So I was so excited to have Fuyumi Sakamoto once again on that stage. So, continuing on up to, to number 30, it is Fuji Ikaze. Now, he was a late addition. He was literally added on, I believe they announced that he was going to be on it on Christmas. Now, this little troll <laughs> did something very interesting because he mentioned originally like that like Yonezu Kenshi, he wasn't going to bother to come out to Tokyo and perform he was going to perform it at at his house and be and just do it from there and that that's very interesting that he originally was going to do that because you don't perform it at your house you either do it at a studio kind of like how Kenshi does or you just don't do it at all but how he had it 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 made it look like it was his own room but he kind of faked it out and you know came out on his second act here and you know the songs that he was singing was obviously the two top songs that he sung this year which is Kiari and Moe Yo so I know that because he's an artist that you chose for Music Corner here what did you first initially thought about well A the songs and B the twist here that he did Gray so why don't you go first yeah, no, uh, I, I, I got fooled. I'm not going to lie. Cause I was like, man, it's like, you know, I'll, and I was, I was not really digging the keyboard rendition of Kirali. Uh, the thing that makes that song work is the composition to it. And I mean, the keyboard composition is not terrible by any means, but it, it doesn't have the same flavor that, that the real, and, that the, like the studio recorded track had. So the same uh, impact. So yeah, speak, yeah, yeah. That's a good way to put it. So, yeah, Kira, I was like, like, I was like, man, it was nice to see Fujikaze, but you know, he kind of phoned in the performance a little bit. And then he yeah, he finishes it up. He finishes up. Kilali turns off the camera, and I'm like, but, it, but and I I have a master list of all the songs, so I knew he was going to be doing Moeo. And I was like, where's he going? Uh, or, you know, where's Moeo? And then when it, it cuts back and he's, you know, backstage and he walks out, like, that that was really cool. Just a really cool moment. And I love the grand piano that he does Moeo at. That is a gorgeous piano. 
and I think Moe Yo is the better song that he performed. Uh, now, I, I prefer Kiyolali over Moe Yo, but in this performance, Moe Yo really stole the show. That was really, really well done, really classy, and just one one of the standouts of the show, in my opinion, was Fujikaze. And I loved every second of this I thought he was fantastic, and uh, I I'm hoping that he he had enough fun that he you know he gets to come back because uh, I I love Fujikaze I think he's he's going to be a big name in the industry and uh, every year that he gets to come on the Kohaku will be a good year. Well, I I don't know if much fun, but I don't know. <laughs> It, it's kind of hard because, like I said, I, I think of him as Yunezu Kenshi in this mind. I think he really got nagged and asked to come on to the point that they added him on six days prior. So, I don't know if we'll see him again. It'll be a nice present surprise if we do, but I'd probably think of this as his one and done, to be perfectly honest. You know, like for me, like the impact of Kiari done on just the keyboard is 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 really difficult to go past by. And you know, I'm not even the biggest Kiari lover, but I I know that that song needs something more than just a piano tune to it. But you know, the fact when they do switch to Moeo was really impressive, and I I honestly love that on the piano just a tad more, and just the energy that he was exuding from Moeo was just intoxicating to be perfectly honest but yeah with that let's continue on to the 31st act here and it's you also be with their song gunjo now they had a lot of like as soon as i knew that I, i'm pretty sure i knew that they were going to sing this song because of the fact that i'm pretty sure they really wanted to show off with the chorus part so as soon as i saw that it was confirmed that they were gonna sing this song yeah i knew that uh the gunjo was gonna be a, a very impressive treat because they had a whole on orchestra and a bunch of chorus people and dancers in it what did you guys think about it i i loved it so i i know i the last time we talked you know about artists who need to take a break i did mention yao sobi however i will say them performing live and especially Gunjo, which I honestly believe was their best song of 2021. And it is an absolutely fantastic song. Them live, especially Ikuro's vocals were just on point. And I actually really liked seeing Ayase live because I guess I never paid attention to his looks before and I didn't realize he had gauges, he has lip rings, <laughs> he's like uh, this little little emo kid and I I actually love that. Um, so so a little bit behind the scenes here. <laughs> Luna was probably watching this at like three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and I know where your mind kinda went. <laughs> yes, I was watching this at like I, I didn't I don't remember time I got some sleep. But yes. I was looking I'm like, how old is ISA? I didn't know. I'm like, huh. I, I, I you know, I never I knew what he could have looked like because I was thought she was really cute, but I never really paid much attention to ISA. And but I love them together, just the energy they displayed live because you could tell they both were into it, especially like ISA, you know, in the back doing the 
you know, with the switchboard and whatever, you know, he was singing along with the songs. You got Ikura in there. And just the whole huge live band added so much to Gunjo. And it just made it even bigger and better. And I love that they did that. Not to mention, they had so many people involved in this performance. And I loved that. You know, you got your all the vocalists, the live band, everything. And they went full out. And I felt like this was a very memorable performance. And this is one of the reasons I do like Yaosobi. And why I love when they do songs like Gunjo and when they perform live because it really does show why they are popular. But Gunjo was fantastic and their performance just blew me out of the water. Yeah, no, I completely forgot Gunjo was a, was a song that existed that Yasobi released this year. Uh, just Yasobi had so many releases and I'm just so of the... Well, also, also, this was their first release of the year back in like the first yeah. week of January. So yeah. I wouldn't put it past that you probably did not remember it yeah. so much well, well, I mean, but i mean that's the thing that's my thing is like i listen to yasobi i like the song i never listen to him again and that's all that's my that's my thing with yasobi and it, it's always been that way like they are not an artist that really makes me want to go back and re-listen to their music and it, it bugs me to this day and and so and they had a lot of releases this year but i mean they only had seven with an album so i mean that's a lot <laughs> i mean when you know i mean the ice also had a lot too and that's I around know. the same time i know and i'm a bigger dice fan so i follow them a lot more so i, I mean i know it's it's fair criticism to go around but i th- i will say this was a good performance uh it, it didn't make me love the song or go download it or want to re-listen to it but this was a good performance i love the chorus i love the the orchestra that performed this track, I think it really elevated it to the next level, really pushed it to something special. But yeah, like overall, this was a really good track. And I did like how she starts on an escalator and descends into the the chorus and the, the orchestra. And she's met on sta- on stage by her piano friend and, I Ayase. Ayase, thank you. I I, I did. I really liked that, but uh overall I thought it was a good good performance. Uh, you know, this was definitely better than last year's. But uh, I'm still not a huge Yasobi fan. This this didn't do it for me, so I completely understand and I understand. And I'm not the biggest Yasobi fan here as well. I appreciate their work, but I, I understand what what I have my criticisms toward. So, like, I'm in somewhat of the same boat as you, Gray, so I completely understand, though. Moving on on to the lovely, lovely singer of uh, Masayuki Suzuki, who is our 32nd act here, and he sung a version of Megumi no Hito. Now, what did you guys think of him? I believe he was on last year and i'm fairly familiar with his work but what what did you guys think of masayuki suzuki so i actually really like him and i'm very very familiar with megumi no hito because i know the meh and i know the dance too so (laughs) you can imagine me watching this singing along to the chorus and dancing last night to this the reason is because kodokumi covered it and <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, Kurokumi covered it if I remember this sometime two years ago. Yeah, she covered it, which is the reason I know this song very, very well. 
But I loved hearing, you know, Masayuki Suzuki's version. And I had heard it before because I do like to go back and listen to originals. But seeing him perform it live was such a treat. And having everyone do the dance with him. Also, I loved the jazziness to it in the chorus. I mean, you see all the instruments come out. You see everyone into it, even him. I, I mean, I... I loved it. It was fantastic. And he brought the energy because, I mean, I was sitting there freaking dancing to it just like everyone else was. The crowd, um, the host, everyone got into it. And I loved that, that he did that. And I love Megumi no Hito. It's such a fun, fun song. And now I'm going to have it stuck in my head all day. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, no, this was a lot of fun. Uh, Masayuki Suzuki brought a lot of class to the stage their outfits are just spectacular and this you know megumi no hito is a lot of fun uh the crowd got into it It, it's hard to you know just sit there and not enjoy this track it's a lot of fun a lot of class and i I, to me the the one that really sold it was the trumpeter i just loved uh, the guy uh, with the trumpet in his hand dancing <laughs> and then periodically playing that was what really sold me on this like uh, i was watching him dance with the trumpet in his hand was fantastic so i r- really enjoyed this performance overall and i i i think this was fantastic yeah personally i really love masayuki suzuki honestly i really love uh, really really love his performance on on this it's probably one of if not one of these more stronger performances of this year and i, I just like you like you were saying great just having that drum bass just kind of tapping along there was really really interesting but with that let's continue on to the 33rd act here and it is yuzu with their song niji now yuzu is honestly becoming one of those acts now that just shows up on the Kohaku and it's quite sad because I don't I think we've only seen him once on the Oricon this past year yep I'm just so used to Yuzu showing up right now at this point it's Yuzu Yuzu is Yuzu they always do a good performance I do like Niji it's a nice song I mean I don't really have much to say because I feel like with Yuzu you know what you're getting yeah, I, I I will agree with uh, Luna that you know Yuzu is a known quantity, but I I I thought this was a good good track. You, you know, you know Niji is a wonderful song, and uh, I really felt like this was really well executed and done. I think these guys usually put on a good show. I think this year was no exception, and I mean the, 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 there that is an impressive pedal storm at the end of of the performance that really just it was a good way to go out on so i i liked it i remember uh i watched this i was watching this by myself and my wife was in the other room and my wife loves flowers and so i called her into the room i was like hey you gotta see what these guys are wearing because you'll love it (laughs) uh and so yeah and she did she she loved it a lot so uh it, it wound up being a pretty good performance overall. I, I liked it a lot, and uh, I'm always happy to see these guys here. So, you know, fingers crossed they're back next year. They'll probably be back next year. <laughs> you know, 
like I said earlier, uses one of those guys that, or one of those acts that I usually kind of forget until the Kohaku. And while Niji isn't one of the most recent songs in their discography this past year, it is very impressive on how fixated they are with the theme because of the flower wraith that they were pretty much wearing at that time. But yeah, let's continue on up to Act 34, and this is Gen Hoshino with his song Fushigi. Now, if you don't mind me, can I go first? <laughs> you, you must by all means. Yeah. <laughs> so, by God, this is this is my song of the night because the performance. It it was so hard not to tear up on the performance, and it really proved why it was my song of the year in two thousand twenty one. You know, doing it right outside and offside really add to the ambiance overall. And having that sax player really adds a new addition to it. And just having the lights, the lights round up, bring up around him as he's continuing singing into that second chorus is just, oh my god, I just, I just fell in love with the song all over again, to be honest. I can totally see why because i mean genoshino did an amazing performance and just hearing fushigi live brought all the emotions the feels i mean he did just a phenomenal job where it was held outside was just perfect i feel like this is one of the best performance of the night as well i mean he brought his a game and more and it was fabulous yeah, no, adding that sax is definitely, you know, just really elevated the the class of this song and really just took it to a new level. Uh, this was a, a great performance overall. And I love the, the light platforms that they were standing on. They're really cool, really classy. And then, you know, near the end when they have like all the laser lights going on, it's a cool performance overall. And, you know, for Gen Hoshino to just really knock it out of the park like he's done all year long this is a great performance and uh, i really enjoyed it this was a blast yeah with that let's continue on to our 35th artist here and it is i'm young with her song i know she do madewa so what did you guys think of i'm young's performance this year I loved her performance at i was she do madewa i i think her vocals were absolutely fantastic and her just playing the guitar, and Aimeon always delivers a solid performance. But being honest, I, I was really more amazed about just how solid her vocals were and how much you could hear them in the music. And just that live stage and setting, it just befits her perfectly. And I, I absolutely loved it. And one of the reasons why I still love Aimeon is not only is she a fantastic writer and composer, she is also an amazing vocalist. And she showcases that with Aiwo Shiru Marewa. And reason why I have all her live Blu-rays, because she is just such a treat live. Yeah, no, this was a great performance by Aimeon and definitely just a stellar performance. She's a really seasoned artist at this point, even though this is only like her third appearance. Uh, she feels like at home, you know, on that stage, the confidence uh, that she sings, like she, you can feel, you just get the feeling like she'd rather be, she wouldn't rather be anywhere else. She, she is exactly where she wants to be. And she's having a blast. Uh, and uh, I owe Shiru Madewa 
is is a great song. I I really enjoyed it when it dropped. I didn't listen to it as probably much as I should have, but this is still a good song overall, and I really liked it. And you know, I'm young really really good and i'm always eager to see what she does next so i think she had a great performance this year yeah no like like what you just said great she feels right at home up on that stage and i can totally agree with that you know she really does feel at home doing these live performances and every single time i see her on the kohaku she just shines and you know, her singing Ayo Shiru Madewa was no different. And it really proved that, yeah, Aimeon is something really special. With that, let's continue on to the 36 artists here. And it is Bump of Chicken. Now, they sung two songs. They sung uh, Tentai Kansoku and then Nane Iro. So the reason why it's kind of important to put this out is... So Nana Ido was used for a drama which was really prevalent in NHK during around this past year. So that's the reason why this was shown. However, the way they showed it was very interesting. So how did you guys like it? Let's start with you, Luna. So I, I love Bump of Chicken, and I'm just going to say that they have so many moving songs, and I love their music. I I, I thought it was a... I thought Tintai Kansoku was a great performance. And I thought Nana Ito, how I know it was pre-recorded, but it was very befitting of the song and how that was done. And I thought this was a great, great in general segment for Bump Up Chicken. And it also reiterated my love for their music. And just the lead's vocals are phenomenal. The whole band together just plays so well. And seeing them on here just made me smile and warm my heart. Yeah, I'm not the most familiar with Bump of Chicken's work, but, uh, you know, they have uh, appeared on here before, and, you know, this performance was really good. Now, I will say Tentai Kansoku, I I was liking, but, man, I, I guess they cut it really short because it felt like it was only for, like, a minute or so uh, before uh, they did the other song. Uh, well, they did like a little mini video and then they cut to the them singing on the beach, not Nana Iro. Uh, and I, it kind of saddened me a little bit because I wanted to hear more of this track. And I did like how it starts kind of like the camera kind of starts in space and zooms into the band on on the stage. Uh, I thought that was a really cool way to do it. And so I, I, I thought they had a great performance overall, but I would have loved to have seen a little the live performance be a bit longer than what it was. I, I, I know timing issues is probably why it was as short as it was, but uh, still, like it would have been nice to like give them a little bit, like a minute more would have been nice. Uh, oh, yeah. No, tr- trust me, Gray. I totally agree because... <laughs> Tentai Kansoku is my all-time favorite song by Bump of Chicken, and the fact that it was only a minute and a half long is a damn shame. <laughs> and, you know, 
as much grief of I, I would give, like, oh, you know, it works with the theme of what they were trying to do. Th- I really, really did hope that they did Nana Ito live as well because they could have just interspersed the footage from the drama. And I get it; it was because of the fact that it was working with the footage that they got from the drama and trying to intersplice what the music video from that was. But I really wish that they could have just chopped it much better to do the live version of that at at you know, the obvious though the 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 real Kohaku there on the stage. With that, let's continue on to the next special artist here, and it's Masashi Sada with his song Dokeshi no Sonnet. Now, how did you guys like this one? Because we this is the first time we've heard of Masashi Sada, even though he's been in the industry for such a long time. But how did you guys like this? And also, this is also another clipped footage because it was used during... Well, not clip footage. It was used for a delayed viewing because it was from his other performance in the the legendary Rugaku Sumo Arena. So it was filmed around the same time, but it was it, obviously he wasn't there saying hello to the Kohaku people like years prior that they had that. I mean, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a beautiful ballad. And I like how, you know, the audience all was sitting there with their glow sticks, waving them, kind of swaying them. I, I honestly don't have too much to say about Dokushino Sonet. I just thought, I mean, it was it was a great ballad. He did an uh, amazing performance. Yeah, no, this was a wonderful, amazing performance, and I really loved the arena that he sung in. Like, I love the stage. I love the the orchestra at his feet, surrounded by the crowd. It's a really cool, just awesome image. Uh, and, you know, he's singing this beautiful ballad with heart and emotion. I mean, he really killed it. He could probably could have just, you know, at the end of the song, he could probably just drop the mic and walk off the stage, honestly. Uh, he does a fantastic job. And um, Doki- Dokeshi no Sonnet is a wonderful, moving track. And I thought it was really well done. Yeah, no, like, to add to you guys' point here, it was just an amazing ballad, very vocal-heavy, which I absolutely loved, and just kind of left a lasting impression on me to kind of look into more of his work, and it's been a shame that I haven't really had beforehand, but now I really have to after this. But with that, let's move on to our 37th act here, and it is Tokyo Jihan with... Ryokokushu. Now, this is our second time dealing with Shinoringo and her, her band, Tokyo Jihan Pro, in its entirety. Now, what did you guys think about this this performance? I enjoyed it. I honestly felt like Tokyo Jihan played it safe with uh, Ryokushu, j- just how it is, because, I mean... I, I enjoy Sheena Rango. Uh, I mean, this is this is probably one of their more popular songs this past year, though. Well, yeah, it's one of their more popular ones, but I also feel like it's, you know, like a safe bet compared to what they could do. Mm-hmm. And especially, you know what, I mean, their performance, because Sheena Ringo can be very eccentric, and so is Tokyo <laughs> Jihan in general. <laughs> and we know when she's eccentric, he, how that could be so i feel like the performance itself felt very safe but it still had that uniqueness to it i like how she had that giant microphone that giant megaphone attached to the mic 
Yeah, for the... it, that, that's a carryover from the music video. I, I figured that was, I didn't watch the music video, but I had a feeling it had something to do with something. But I like that she had that attached to it. I mean, I thought the vocals were good. The band was good. I felt like, in general, they didn't do anything crazy, and it felt like a nice performance, and I really enjoyed it. I like Sheena Ringo, and I do enjoy uh, enjoy some of Tokyo Jihen's music as well. So, I, I mean, I thought all in all it was actually a good performance, and I'm glad to see them on here again. Yeah, no, I, I, I thought this was a really good song, and, you know, Tokyo Jihen can get out there and stuff, because, you know, Sheena Ringo can get out there, but uh, the one thing that killed this, really killed this song for me was the megaphone. I hate it, because Sheena Ringo has really good vocals, and the megaphone sounds like it's hollowing it out. Like, like it just sounds hollow and empty. And mm. it just, like, the, the, her her voice doesn't have the weight that it should. On a stage full of microphones, she has to use a megaphone. And I, I, I get maybe it's from carryover from the music video yeah, and stuff. It, it's but. literally carryover from the music video. That's I, the only reason why she did it that way. I, I, and I, and yeah, and I completely understand. Yeah, <laughs> I, I did. I just, I did not like it. I did. I don't think it works uh, and stuff. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, but like I said, this song was really good overall. I, I did like it. I think it was really good. It's very catchy. Yeah. It, it's, I could see the popular appeal that it has. Yeah. But. Yeah, like f- for me. Yoko show like, you know, her her own unique way of singing in with a gosh darn megaphone. And, you know, well, you, you are right, Luna. She did play it safe with having this particular song. But overall, I really did like the stage presence for this song. And, you know, the fact that they didn't go way out of bounds for the most part, and the megaphone was the only major issue of... That performance is kind of a saving grace, to be honest. But with that, let's continue on to Act 38 here, and it is Hiroko Yakushimaru with the lovely song of Woman, W no Higeki Yori. Now, during our pre-talk, you were kind of going on and on about how much you really love this act. So why don't you go first, Gray, and tell us how much it really moved you here. Yeah, no, this was an amazing act. And this is one of the better acts, in my opinion, that really incorporated the live orchestra. Uh, Like, I mean, it really, it almost steals, the the live orchestra almost steals the song from from, uh, Hiroko Yakushimaru. Like, it's so well done. This is such a beautiful and well done composition that just I love all the wind instruments. I love the piano, the harp. This this whole orchestral composition really came together in a moving and meaningful way. Now, thankfully, she has the voice of a goddess, and she really kills it too. So this is really a case of everybody being on their game and nailing it. And I thought this was absolutely fantastic. Uh, Woman W no Higeki Yori is an amazing track. And one of the other things I really, really liked about it, so she's on an elevated platform. It's kind of tiered in the three steps. And it's it, it at first I thought it was like a wooden platform because it's kind of this brownish color. And she's singing against a black void. But 
at a certain point in the song, it changes and she's singing in like a cloud of stars and the platform she's on also becomes like a cloud of stars. And so like this whole thing, like she's singing in the universe sort of thing. And it's really cool. It's done to really good effect. And I wound up really digging this performance overall. I think this was a, one of the better performances, especially this late in the game. Like this is one of the better performances of the night. And I, I wound up really loving this, this performance overall. I couldn't have said it better myself. I mean, Gray pretty much, you know, took the limelight. Uh, Hiroko Yakishimaru was just phenomenal. She made use of that full orchestra. It was absolutely beautiful, and it was an extremely memorable performance of Woman W no Higekiyori. I it was her vocals were just amazing. Just everything about it blended so well, from the stage presence to the orchestra to her voice. Yeah, so with 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 Hiroku uh, Yakushimaru, her return is uh, well, hella legendary for that much, and she absolutely loved every moment of it. And like you guys said, the orchestra really brought it together to be point in point in cure there. And at the end, with the colorful universes, just the cherry on top of an amazing act, I gotta say. But with that. Let's continue on to Act 39. This is also a double song act of uh, Sayuri Ishikawa. She sung Kaji to Kenkawa Edo no Hana and Sugaru Kaikyo Fukugeshiki. Now, with the wonderful thing about the first act of, uh, of Kagi. Uh, Kajito Kenkawa Edo no Hana. She had two guest vocalists, or I guess guests, on her um, on her performance as well, because she had the rapper Kreva and the guitarist Mayavi on her performance as well. And it was interesting to say the least. <laughs> Luna, why don't you tell us? It was very interesting, to be honest. One, I was not... Ex- I, I knew Kreville was going to be on here. I didn't know Miyavi was going to be on here. I guess I didn't follow close enough attention. But seeing Sayuri rap with Kreva was a very interesting thing. Because Kreva was very, very into it. And you could tell his stage presence is very prominent in that opening and then Miyavi blows it away on guitar because he is a phenomenal guitarist and Sayuri trying to keep up with Kreva's rap you can tell that she is more concentrating on what she's doing more than anything during that performance and she is an Enka singer so seeing her and Kreva together was probably one of the it was a very memorable performance because it was so interesting to see two different genres together and do something unique like that. And I, I feel like I, I enjoyed it it because it was odd. That oddity just makes it stick out. And I also love Kreva and I think he was like he on point, perfect. And then I like how it went into Sayuri's normal Enka style song. And, you know, it has that she has that beauty to her with uh, Sugaru Kaikyo Fuyugeshiki. So I, I love both. I thought it was a very intriguing 
and what they did something different yeah i i don't know i i'm i'm gonna be honest i i, I found um uh kajito kenko wa edo no hana to be pretty jarring overall i i will say i liked Kreva's I mean, energy. it's strange and jarring to say the least, yeah. man. <laughs> it just—it's it, it, just one of those things I wasn't expecting. It came out of left field too. It hit me like a like oh, over yeah. the head. I was like, "What <laughs> am I listening to?" So it, it was it was different to say the least. But I I, I preferred uh, Sugaru Kai Kaikyo Fuyu Geshiki. That that was much more my speed. I I really liked her vocals. I thought it was fantastic. Uh, they made great use of the set. Is definitely the the like they turned the uh, smoke machines on and she just looks like she's standing in the sky on on clouds. I thought it was really cool. Uh, so I I think overall this was a great performance even though i wasn't a big fan of the first half i I felt like the second half really pulled it well i mean you know it's such a throw off a left field i found it so yeah so strange (laughs) yeah no and i loved how i know i understand how strange it was and obviously creva was carrying the heavy lifting for this song and you know i prefer I honestly really, really prefer uh, Sugaru Kaikyo Fuyuge Shikiki because of the fact that it is traditional of what her style is and, and really had that ambiance. So I really got to agree with you there. It was just, it was so out of left field listening to Kaji Kenka Edo no Hana. <laughs> but yeah, with that, let's continue on to the, the Inca King himself. Kiyoshi Hikawa with Utawa Waga Inochi. Now, I know we've been, all, all three of us are really high about about his style, so why don't you go first, Gray? Because this is actually technically a cover for a another artist here. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, uh, that that's the whole thing with the old lady in the beginning. <laughs> oh, oh. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't understand Japanese, so it's just like. <laughs> oh no! Yeah. Just to see that, I was like, uh, and then I looked up the song after, and it's a song by Hibari Masa Misora, and uh, I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, okay, that does make sense. But yeah, no, uh, Kiyoshi Kawa, man, what, what a legend! The man, the myth, the legend himself is just. Uh, uh, the second he... coming of Inca, man, <laughs> uh, and with good reason. I mean, my God, he's an amazing vocalist, and I, I think this was a great performance by him. I loved everything about it. I loved his outfit. I loved his voice. I think this was a whole moving performance. I think the energy that he put into this was spectacular, and it was really moving. I thought he just absolutely killed it, and I had a lot of fun listening to this. And I, I part of me hates that they they saved him for so late in the show but i mean him going near the end made a lot of sense and i think it just worked out perfectly and you know the thing is too i also think that they wanted to do one two punches for all the inca singers because the fact that it was so few and far in between this year yeah well and i noticed that earlier in the show i was like man there's not as many inca singers as we have been in the past yeah for for me it's honestly he sung a such a and it's a cover of a of Hibari uh, Misora's song, and it's like he sung it like his he he treated the song 
like it was his own and he owned it. it it made it sound like it was an original instead of a cover to be perfectly honest I, I agree. I like that Kiyoshi Hikawa made it his own, and I honestly thought it was an original until you said something. I didn't realize it was a cover. I kind of had that nuance because of the background, but I think he did a great job with Utoa Waga Inochi, and that's one of the reasons I love Hikawa is because he's he makes things his own and puts a spin on it, and just his vocals and and his performances are just, he he has it refined to a perfect point. But yeah, let's continue on to our 41st act here, and it is the lovely Tomoyasu Hote and his Saraba uh, Seishun no Hikari, a very Kohaku version of that song as well. Now, this is the first time we've heard of him, obviously, and this is his debut in the Kohaku after his illustrious career in the Japanese music industry. What did you guys think of Tomoyasu Hosei's renditions? I loved it. Um, So as soon as I saw Battle Without Honor and Humanity, or Honor Honor or Humanity, I thought of that, uh, uh, all the Kenji Fusaku movies, but... In general, I thought both tracks were phenomenal, including Sayonara, Sishino Hikari. The, just the, the whole special itself was absolutely fantastic. I want to give a shout out to the great guitar solo at the beginning. It just blew me away, and I feel like he shined so much. And his vocals, and he just gave a fun, per- fun, memorable performance. And I was amazed, and I was also shocked that this was his debut, Kohaku. Yeah, that, that's what mystified me, because my god, what an epic entrance that man made, especially with Battle uh, Without Honor or Humanity. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, that, that was epic. That Just like the way he teed that, that up, like, man, it like... Uh, but uh, Sayonara Station uh, Hikari was also fantastic. I mean, just like the whole thing was spectacular. I think he did a fantastic job. And I, I was blown away that this was the first time he came here. I'm like, wow, man, they've been sitting on this guy? Like, he, he's fantastic. They need to bring him back more. Because, uh, I mean, he just killed it. I mean, he absolutely killed it. So I, I think this was a great uh one of the final acts and i absolutely loved it i thought it was wonderful yeah no you guys are exactly right i'm not too sure why they really waited on ahote to kind of show off his guitar skills and uh, just show off that amazing rock style overall i was just so impressed by it and i really want to hear more of it every single time but yeah no with that let's continue on to our final male act of the night and that would have to be Masaharu Fukuyama with his song Michishirube. Now, what did you guys think about this act? So, I thought it was an absolutely beautiful song. I love the guitar in it. I thought Masaharu Fukuyama had great vocals, as usual. I don't really have too much to add about Michishirube, but I mean, I it was a great performance. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I was, I don't have too much to add to, I felt like it was a solid performance and I felt like it was a really good way to end the show, especially for the men's side. Uh, but it was, it was, a really, like, I, I was surprised, like he sung that song mostly by himself, but there was a, like a surprise chorus at the end, uh, that I really liked and, uh, it all came together and it was really well done. So I, I thought it was a, a good way to end the show. 
for the for the white side. <laughs> yes, yes, for the white. Sorry. Yeah, no, like, like what you just said there, Gray. Like, what an absolute great way to end it for the white team. You know, uh, Fukuyama has such an amazing vocals, and it just made such an Im- impressive presence that I was just like, yeah, no, I can see why they ended with Fukuyama again for the white team, but just just a w- way to go out here and with that let's go on to our final act of the night here and it is Mishia with Ashita A now this is coming off of her obviously her uh, amazing 2021 with the Olympics being the one of the only guest vocalists for the Tokyo Olympics and it's such a strange thing to say that she was the only one there but it is what it is <laughs> kind of thing but what did you guys think of Ashta A? Ashta A was absolutely fantastic and I think Mishia was a great way to end it. I know they ended it with her last year as well and just with her powerful vocals which she shows off in Ashta A and she brings the whole theme of colorful perfectly as well and I know this was mainly due to her being high off the Olympics not to mention she had a great 2021 career besides appearing in the Olympics she also had her album drop in December and just her vocals shined in this and not to mention right after she did Ashta It it went into her one of her new songs Higher Love which guest starred Fujikaze and I love seeing him on piano and singing along with Mishia to higher love. I think this was the perfect way to end the show, to be honest. The band involved, Mishia was in it. Because last year she had her back surgery and you could tell she was probably in a lot of pain. And this year she was moving around. She was feeling it, the emotion. And you can hear that in her voice with the soulfulness. I mean, you cannot deny she is probably one of the best R&B vocalists. Hearing her voice hit her hitting those high notes at the end, absolutely gorgeous. And this was also one of my top performances of the night. Yeah, no, this this was the only way to end the women's side. I mean, this was absolutely fantastic. Uh, Ash, uh, Ashita A was wonderfully done, and you can really spot the difference between you know what she did last year and what she did even though it's the same act like i mean like just like the energy and i i know she just came off a back surgery but i mean like she really got into it this year uh and honestly i loved higher love with uh fujikaze and misia just killing it i mean she's dancing i mean she might need she might need some pain medication after Uh, she's done because I mean she just got into it and uh, this was an amazing performance what a great way to end the night Uh, and this was overall a really moving and amazing performance and I love seeing Fujikaze on that piano he he accompanied her like a pro oh yeah no like you said Gray the way she was moving around this year, she she probably needs some more back medication this time around. Yeah, because I mean, there's like two or three times where like she's like doubled over, you know, it's like she's dancing, but like she's like doubled over and, and doing like all these weird. I'm like, man, you might you you might need to you might need to take the day off the next day because you might be in pain. <laughs> but she left it all out on the stage, and you gotta you gotta have respect for that. Yeah, no, that's for darn sure, and I totally agree on both sentiments that, you know, 
she really balled out with both of her acts. And just having Fujikaze out there with her to kind of end the night together as a both a red team and a white team there for a total act there was just absolutely fantastic. And I was really happy to see that Mishia ended the year on a high note after everything that was going on. But I guess quickly, let's kind of reveal who won here. And, you know, with the judges this time around, they actually went with the white team. However, with the audience and the viewership in Japan, they both went to the red team this year. And red team won 2-1. to one. It's, It was actually quite fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and with that, you know, the judges won one white team 6 to none. So that's quite impressive here. But... Yeah, I know, I know with this, it is kind of getting long here, but just kind of wrap up, which one was our favorite act of the night? Let's start with you, Luna. My favorite act, it's hard to choose because I had a couple, but you know what? I'm going with Fujikaze. And you, Greg? Uh, yeah, so uh, one, I just want to say I think the white team was robbed. They had much better performances. But <laughs> uh, I will also say that my absolute favorite was the Junretsu with the uh, little grabbers. Like That was just... That made my night, so I love that to death. Yeah, no, and I completely agree with you. Great, like the white team was robbed. <laughs> but my my favorite act of the night was again Hoshino, just with Fushigi, just absolutely fantastic. But yeah, you know, I want to say thank you for joining us on this extra long episode. Like once again, we're hitting on that point that we're around the Kohaku here. You can find us on all social media sites at Ongakudu on Twitter and Instagram. You can. Follow our affiliates, Curry Hunter, who is a retro streamer. You can follow him at twitch.tv slash Curry Hunter, K Y O R Y U H U N T E R. You can also follow Timbertaff, who is doing Hitmanery. So he's playing through the entire Hitman series, the HD versions, on his Twitch channel. You can check him out at twitch.tv slash Timbertaff, T I M B R T A F T. You can also follow your sister, Luna Rose, who is probably going all out on Final Fantasy XIV right now. And you can check her out at twitch.tv slash RainstarKitty, R A I N S C A R K I T T Y. You can also follow Fangirl Has No Name, who is almost done with her novel here, and I can't wait to do the audible version of that. You can check her out at twitch.tv slash fangirlhasnoname, F-A-N-G-I-R-L-H-A-S-N-O-N-A-M-E. You can also check out the podcast that both me, Timber, and F- Fangirl, and Kyo do called Potosaurus. This week we talked about all our lovely stuff about our game of the year, why, once again, Toby Fox is a national tre- treasure. And if you want to check out all our, our giggles and gaggles, you can look it up on all podcast streaming services. Just look up Curry Hunter, same as his Twitch handle. You can follow me on Twitter at OTYKM1, where I talk about Bang Dream, and I about Roboco, Head Robo, and all the lovely giggles and gaggles. Where can we follow you, Kyo? Or Gray? You can follow me on Twitter at Omagaku Gray, where I tweet about what I'm watching, what I'm playing, all that fun jazz. So if you're interested in what I'm up to, just follow me there. And where can we find you, Luna? You can follow me on all the level, lovely social medias, such as Twitter, my anime list, Anime Planet, at LunaMaria87, or Instagram as NerdyCollectorLuna, where you can see what I'm watching, what I'm listening to, what I bought, and cute pictures of my cats. But yeah, I want to say thank you for trucking out with us on this extra long episode of Ongak Ryu. I'm your host, Ken, saying thank you very much, and have a great day. Aloha. 
This is Linda saying thank you so much for hanging out for this extra long episode. Hope you have had a happy new year and continue to do so. Jamatane. And this is great. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll be right back here tomorrow or next week. Bye bye.